James Bond takes on aliens. John Connor against Kevin McAllister. The Cape Crusader versus the Phantom Menace. Julia Roberts v. Julia Roberts. Two disaster films about space rocks flying towards the Earth. Released 55 days apart. Once again, find themselves plotted against each other. Plus, is there a Disney onslaught in the works? We complete the round of 64 as Multiplex Madness Forever rages on on this, the 145th episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's in the Box Office. I'm your host, Brian. I'm your host, Noah, and I was gonna I was gonna make a remark about how much fun it would be for John Connor to just kick the shit out of Kevin McAllister. Oh, but he's a little but kid. As, as I'm thinking about it, John Connor does not have a great win rate in the Terminator movies. He's also an he's, annoying little kid at times in that movie, and also, you know, Kevin McAllister has a, his his family is terrible. That's true. They uh, are awful to him in that movie. John Connor did spend a, not an equal amount of time. It was only one movie, but he did spend a movie as an annoying kid. Mm. Uh, he did spend a movie being evil. Yes. Spoiler alert. In one of them at all. He, he's the, is which that, one is wasn't it, he at all? What do you mean? Fir- I mean, I guess he might like appear. Oh, in the first, in the first one? one. I think yeah. he does. I think he might briefly. I don't remember. I don't but, recall. Like, he's effectively not in. Yeah. Anything. He's not in it. I uh, it's him in the third one, right? Yeah. Okay. I uh, and then I uh, see Bale in the fourth. Uh, so yeah, it's just not not a lot of memorable appearances of John Connor in the Terminator franchise. No. Which is rough for the. Like, he's he's in he's, Terminator franchise. He's in Genesis briefly. But then yeah, I mean, isn't he in it? Like, but then a true, lot? true spoil. No, who is who does he who is he in Genesis? Who plays him in Genesis? Isn't Genesis the one where he's the bad guy? No, that's uh oh, it is. Yes. What's what's Dark Fate? Oh, Dark Fate, you're th- okay. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's briefly, not, he's, he's briefly in Dark Fate and then dies. Spoiler alert. Okay. I don't remember that at all. But yeah, he's basically oh, not in Dark- it's a DHT2 John Connor, and they're on the beach. And oh, then okay. the Terminator catches up and shoots him. Yeah, all right, I do remember that. That's why she's all yeah, sad. He's, yeah. He's basically not in Dark Fate, and it was the best Terminator movie in years. It was. This, uh, this portion of the podcast, my little comment, has gone on quite a while, so I'll end there, but Kevin McAllister would probably well, win that fight. Well, I mean, we were always talking about how we need a length in our episodes, so I think this is fine. <laughs> That's true. We've been getting remarks. We have we have uh, four divisions. We're over on the Lawrence of Arabia conference, and we are narrowing down these... Uh, 32 films to 16. Isn't that correct? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, we begin with the uh, Hayao Miyazaki division. The family films are uh, our contenders are the one seed, the Lion King versus the two seed, the Prince of Egypt, the four seed Tarzan against the five seed A bug's life. The three seed beating the beast will take on the six seed Stuart little and the two seed. Oh, did I already say two seed. That sounded like you did answer. for the for the Prince of Egypt. It's actually the eighth seed. It's eighth seed, yeah. Uh, two seed Aladdin against the seventh seed Pocahontas. Um, here we go. The I mean, this is a big category. 
It's a lot of classic movies. Uh, Here we go. The one seed, The Lion King, against the seventh seed. No, can you change that on the thing? The seventh seed. the eighth seed. Eighth seed. Can you please change the thing? (laughs) He's about to change it. There it is. The eighth seed, The Prince of Egypt. Uh, The Lion King was released June 15th, 1994, opening weekend. Uh, Most of these Disney animated films opened in like two theaters and then expanded. So $41 million expansion weekend. The final gross was $312 million. Um, number two film of 1994, the number one animated film in history, 88 on Metacritic, four Oscar nominations. Why am I reading all this? Why don't you stop me? Because I don't want to, I don't want to like interrupt. You're on a roll. You're, you're but this isn't the time to read these stats. <laughs> Can we start over? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's in the Box Office. Um... I'm I'm your host Dan. <laughs> the Prince of Egypt was released December. I'm not even finishing reading the Lion King stats. Prince of Egypt was released December 18th, Steven Spielberg's birthday, 1998, opening weekend, 14 million, final gross 101. Uh, all right, so we have we do five categories, five games basically. Uh, the first of three wins. We do the math one, bigger profit relative to the budget. We do quality of movie, harder road to success, and then legacy has been split up in this tournament into two categories of the legacy for the movie itself, how it fares now, uh, was it influential, do people still talk about it, and the legacy of the principal players. Did this Is this a big milestone in their careers? Did it launch them into other things? Stuff like that. So the math one here. The Lion King cost $45 million to make it gross $858. That's profit of 1,908%. The Prince of Egypt cost $70 million. It grossed 218 That's profit of 312 Game one goes to The Lion King. Noah, did it's you... Really kind of, mm-hmm. Go ahead. It's really kind of wild to me just how much more money The Prince of Egypt cost than The Lion King. Well, you got to think it was four years later. Uh, animation was huge. And truly, The Prince of Egypt is stunning to look at. Sure. Um, and I... I guess when you're not Disney and you're trying to compete in the animated category in yeah. 1998, you really got to pull out all the stops. And Disney famously doesn't pay anybody anything. I guess that's They're true. real cheap sticklers over there. It's one of the reasons why Robin Williams didn't uh, come back for the second Aladdin movie. Um, did you rewatch any of these in preparation for this? Um, I rewatched uh, a revisited Tarzan and a bug's life uh, and uh, the Prince of Egypt in parts as well. Okay. Yeah. I, I meant for this match. Okay. So okay. the Prince of Egypt, you, you watched a bit of, but this is, I feel, you know, I, the Lion King is your Disney movie. Yes. So the, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised when you select the Lion King for quality here. All right. Uh, I will select the Lion King. It holds a, a very special place in my heart. Yeah. Uh, First movie I ever saw in theaters. Uh, I've seen it many, many times, and I still think it holds up is incredibly good. And mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm voting Lion King here. So I don't think I, I rewatched The Prince of Egypt. I doubt I had seen it since it came out, and I don't know why because um, I liked it a lot. And also, it's just a very uh, interesting film. It's a it's a great. I mean, it's one of the best stories ever written, right? The Sure. Story of Moses and Exodus. Um, and it's it's Passover weekend. No, or it was. Yeah. This is, this uh, is something uh, something we talked about uh, when we were doing stay-at-home movies season screenings. Was what? Uh, well, I mean, we talked about it in the context of why are there no Hanukkah movies, but yeah. really just like Jewish holiday movies. Nope. Not, not a big market. This truly made me want to watch 
Exodus Gods and Kings, the Ridley Scott disaster. Because I was like, as well, you should. I wonder what a live action one of these would look like. But um, I thought this was beautifully animated. The songs are good. You know, some of them stand out. Some of them kind of uh, are whatever. But the voice acting is all good. Not a one Jewish voice actor, except for Jeff Goldblum. That's interesting. Val Kilmer. Ray Fiennes truly needs to stop playing role. And the 90s was big for Ray Fiennes playing roles where he's mean to the Jews, to the Hebrews. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, Sandra Bullock. Nope. Helen Mirren. uh -uh. Danny Glover. Don't think so. Um, But maybe. Uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Non-Jews won it all. Um, but uh, I really was taken by how much I enjoyed this film and how impactful I found it. And it's, it's, it's my favorite Jewish holiday. It's my favorite story uh, from like those times, I guess. And uh, uh, I know that the Lion King is going to move on. So I'm going to give Prince of Egypt is due and pick it uh, for quality here. All right. I, uh, yeah. you, you know that I, have- I, I do love the Lion King. I don't like it as much as you or everyone else on the planet. I, I have some problems with the voice work. Um, but uh, I cannot deny its power, and we'll talk about it more later as I'm confident it's going to move on. So the sure. Prince of Egypt is really, really good, and it's on Peacock, and the animation truly is terrific. In it. I have no quarrels with that vote. Uh, harder Road to – no. Yes, Harder Road to Success. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean – Clearly the Prince of Egypt. I don't know because it – you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where we talk about Forrest Gump. You know, and it made a lot of money. So is the harder road how much it made? Uh-huh. Where, you know, The Lion King was coming off of like uh, Little Mermaid, which I don't know how much that made off the top of my head. No, I don't know. Um, Beauty and the Beast made 145. Aladdin made two. And then this makes over three. This is one of the highest grossing films in history. Sure. Um, this was kind of like the crowning achievement of the Disney Renaissance era in the late eighties to the end, you know, late nineties. Yeah. So it's possible that I can give it to that for it's a, it's, it's just huge explosion at the box office. The Prince of Egypt made a hundred, which isn't, you know, it's budget was 70. So I must, I have to assume they expected more. Um, Maybe they just expected more overseas and the post theatrical life to really pick it up. But you know, this was 98 animation was huge at the yeah. time. Uh, it had a big cast. So I, I, I mean, I'm cool. If you want to go with the Prince of Egypt, I, just, I, I don't know if we're talking about the idea that like, you know, the Prince of Egypt is very, it's not very Jewish, but it's pretty Jewish. Yeah. There's more I, than uh, one occasion where they're singing in Hebrew. Right. I, I hear what you're saying about the Lion King's level of success. I, uh, but I do think, when you combine the, as I said, just the lack of a market for Jewish movies, a, a movie like the Prince of Egypt becomes like sticks out all the more in a way that audiences might not be as familiar with. Uh, plus I just can't, I can't in good conscience vote for a movie that had a lead in of the little mermaid and Aladdin and beauty and the beast yeah, yeah. as harder road to success. So I'm uh, I'm going Prince of Egypt here. All right, I will go Prince of Egypt as well. So we're tied two two. Uh, well, or we're tied two, one we're in tied two opposite one. directions. Oh, I see. Sure. Um, 
as I said, The Lion King, number two film of 1994, biggest animated film in history, 88 on Metacritic, four Oscar nominations, two wins, Prince of Egypt, 64 on Metacritic, two Oscar nominations, one win for a song for When You Believe, uh, Lion King, I'm guessing one for score and song, would be my guess there. Sure. Uh, and I mean, Impact Upon, impact upon uh, The Lion King. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the Lion King. I'm uh, I'm definitely going for overall legacy, as it is still clearly a incredibly beloved movie, as evidenced by the huge success of the bad remake. Uh, so yeah, I think that that soon to be soon to be good sequel. Huh? Maybe gotta have. Listen, I I'm not one to doubt Barry Jenkins based on source material. Yeah, but what you should be one to doubt, you should be one to doubt that Disney is going to give anyone like room to work. That we're going to come out of the Lion King two and be like that Barry Jenkins movie was really good. I I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't don't know if Barry Jenkins would. I mean, I suppose that he would. You know, if they're paying him enough. But again, I don't know how much they're paying people who's who's to say but um i bet i bet they're paying barry jenkins pretty good i hope so it's a great choice uh all right so then the the winner is the lion king moving forward not necessarily why we still we still need to do the broader legacy of the movie uh it could end up tied three two in uh, opposite directions if uh, we both vote prince of egypt I, I'm not voting. I, I don't vote Prince Egypt for anything for Legacy over the no, Lion I don't, King. I don't either. We just hadn't sure. actually done sure, it sure, yet. Sure. Uh, Unfortunately, it's just it's not there for it. I really, really was surprised by how taken aback I was by the the score uh, and the. I mean, it is like it's a dark kids movie. Yeah, it's. Like, uh, did you see the scene where they the force the firstborns go? Uh, I I remember that scene actually. There is a white mist flying around, knocking kids out. Like you see one of them in lying in bed asleep, and then it it goes in the body, and then you hear, and then he's gone. One of the kids walks into a door with a pot, and then the thing flies in, and then you hear the pot crash, and then a kid's limp hand fall. I mean, it's these dead children. This is uh, this is one of those movies I think right there with the Iron Giant that has. It has like the sort of low rumbling reputation of like people don't talk about these movies that much, but they're like just as excellent. I yeah, as stuff we saw and uh, you the, know we, we saw way back when. That's definitely true of the Iron Giants, and I think it's true here too. The Red Sea scene is absolutely terrific. The animation is great, and like the struggles of them walking across the bottom of the ocean, like their carts don't fit, they're handing like sheep over rocks to yeah. each other, like that stuff. Like I don't think about. Right when you're like, oh, they walked across the, the the sea. Like, no, that's not like flat surface down there. They don't know how to maneuver around. Like, and there's a beautiful shot of them walking, and then there's like thunder crashing, so it illuminates the wave. That's the walls, and you see like the shadow of a whale. When the it's just yeah, gorgeous. I, rem- I remember gorgeous. the whale. I do too. It's from the trailer. It was go. I, I, there was stuff I remember from the trailer, which was fun because it's a long time ago. But uh, yeah, the the Lion King moves on. It one does. one seed. Going forward, uh, it is the uh, every single. It's continuing the pattern, Noah. Every one seed has moved on. Well, our next matchup: what will face the Lion King? We'll have a very tough 
road ahead facing the Lion King. Will it be Tarzan the fourth seed or A Bug's Life the fifth seed? Tarzan was released June 16, 1999, opening weekend $34 million, a final gross of $171, A Bug's Life, opened November 20th, 1998. Once that expanded, uh, its opening weekend was $33 million and $45 for a five-day, a uh, final gross of $163. Tarzan costs $130 million to make it gross $448. That's a profit of $330. I'm sorry, $344. And a bug's life costs $120 million to make. It grows $363. That's a profit of $302. Tarzan I, takes game one. It does. I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup. I think these two movies have like kind of occupy a very similar space in in terms of their relatives uh-huh. uh, in that they're both like, they're both not talked about in the way that the heavy hitters that surround them are. They've kind of uh, faded a little bit more. Uh, Cause you know, they're not necessarily as good as all that, but like they're still both pretty good. Yeah. And uh, they made a, they made a very similar amount of money. I, uh, and have similar credentials here. And it's, it's a uh, two very similar forces at work. Now I rewatched both of these. You watched parts of both or parts of yes. just uh, parts of both. Okay. Parts. Yeah. I revisited both, but uh, so I, I, I've seen a bug's life. I had the VHS. La la. la. I think it was green. Yes. That's or the, the case was green. I don't think the tape was green. Remember when the tapes were different colors. Yeah. A lot fun. like a lot of Nickelodeon ones yeah. were orange. Uh, yeah, it was cool those, stuff. Those are fun. Um, but uh, Tarzan, famously, fam- famously, everyone knows this. I don't have to go into the story, but was my first uh, birthday movie. A, yeah. tra- a tradition that lasted uh, uh, 21, 20, uh, 20 years, Noah. Nope. Was that? Yes, 20 years until. Was- the coronavirus uh, yeah. came to a town, which I don't, uh, I don't think is cause to consider the tradition broken. No, we, you know, it was, you, it was not, it was literally not an option. No, I, you know, I made you suffer through uh, uh, Shanghai Noon. We watched the Birdcage. No, no, it was fine, but, but it was, was nowhere near levels of suffering through. No, which was good. I was worried, but no, because because it, it's a great movie. But the. Um, the the idea for the the birthday movie, my mom probably thought of it. Uh, we me and my we we didn't. I don't think we rented out a theater, but it was one of those things you see at theaters where there's a bunch of kids and then there's a table outside, right? Yeah, that was us. Um, since I used to be able to rattle them off the top of my head, but since then it was like Titan A.E. and Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Remember that? I do. Lilo and Stitch. Great movie. Was one of them. And then I got into live action. The the uh, not the anything just Hulk was one of them. Dodgeball that was you know you know how I have this thing Noah. Um, this is this is therapy corner. Uh, I have this thing where when I'm deciding on like a thing to do for my birthday or something, I uh-huh. you always say, well, what do you want to do? And I go, I don't know. What do you think this person wants to? Do? What do you think they sure. want to do? Yeah. What is the group? What is the what would make the group yeah. happy? And then you're like, well, who cares? And I'm like, because I want them to have fun. Sure. That was the same case with this. On my actual birthday, Dodgeball was coming out, a true underdog story, and the terminal 
directed by my favorite director, Steven Spielberg, and starring my favorite actor, Tom Hanks, was also coming out on my birthday. Yeah. And I made the choice at 13. I feel like they're going to want to watch Dodgeball. Let's just do that. I'll, I'll tell you what. At 13? Yeah. That's I think I think that's the, the I think that's a better frame of mind to have at thirteen. It was the correct choice. My mom worked for also, a school district, and then after the movie, they they let us into the gym and we played dodgeball. Yeah. Also, yeah, and which which is great. Yeah. Uh, you weren't going to go to the airport, and also just like more broadly speaking, yeah. I think you made the correct choice anyway. I did too. I do like the terminal, but yeah, dodgeball is a lot more fun um, for a bunch of thirteen year olds, you know. And then we get into just more random movies, but. It's been a tradition of mine, me and friends, and sometimes my mom go to a movie on my birthday. This is the one that started it all, Tarzan. Um, so it is a very special place in my heart. Uh, I've seen A Bug's Life a bunch. So I watched both of these again, and I think I'm leaning toward Tarzan here. Okay. I think A Bug's Life is clever as fuck. Like, it's it's so clever. The voice acting is actually terrific in it, um, but it's just light on its story feat i just think that it's not as heavy and i think the tarzan is also gorgeously animated like it's the it was i think it was the first time that disney animation proper was using digital technology so everything felt very 3d and uh and the phil collins stuff inexplicably works I like mean, Phil Collins is just kind of like a big deal, but it's the weirdest like, thing, bad, but, it's, but sure. But it's the weirdest thing to do like a kid's movie in 1999. Who's going to do all the songs, like all the songs. Sure. Well, it's gotta be Phil Collins. What do you, what he's you, the what only you, person to bring the flying action packed, you know, jungle man to life. Like, no, that's crazy. What do you think is weirder? Mm. Uh, Phil Collins being the hit music director of Tarzan or Randy Newman being the hit music director of the Toy Story franchise. I think I think I think it's the second one. I think it's Phil Collins because Toy Story is very earnest. So if they wanted like that earnest song, you know, it's very but uh-huh. it's about childhood. Tarzan is like this dude's like killing tigers and he's he's like sliding on trees and he's he's shooting he's breaking guns in half and there's like people dot this the the bad guy gets you know hanged by his own accord he cuts himself and then uh the way that they animate it tarzan lands the guy's sword lands on the ground and then lightning again lightning lightning flashes and you see the outline of his swinging body against the tree behind tarzan yeah yeah and then we cut to a phil collins song what are we doing i don't know but it's crazy that it works as well as it does but it it really does work. Like those songs work and they're good. And the, the main song is just absolutely terrific. And that also holds a special place with me. Yeah. Um, so I think a bug's life is really good. It's just, it's clearly like Pixar being like, how clever can we be? I just, it's not, it's not nearly as good a story as they're capable of coming up with. Sure. Yeah. They're doing the, they're doing the clever, like what, you know, he goes what, to New what, York. what, what, yeah. What's yeah, but just like what is what is represented inside of a little girl's head without the interesting parts of Inside Out also coming up? Uh, I think my vote here is actually going to be a Bug's Life, mm-hmm. and this is a, you you know how much I have been annoyed that the Academy chose to vote for Tarzan for best song over the South Park movie. And I just want to make it clear that my grudge is against the Academy. I don't hold Tarzan at fault for that at all. That does not inform my decision. 
I, uh, but I agree. When you said the voice acting in a Bug's Life is really good, it is. Yeah, that's uh, that's really what stuck out to me most in the parts I watched, particularly this like the circus, the circus acts, the ladybug, the caterpillar. I do think uh, Madeline Kahn, like what a get for a comedian oh, yeah. voice, but she does nothing in the movie. It's very, yeah. I, I, I read her name this time. I was like, holy shit, Madeline Kahn's in this. And she does absolutely not. And they really don't use David Hyde Pierce as much either. The, the, the star of the circus is Dennis Leary and the, the caterpillar who's played by just an animator at yeah. Pixar. And he crushes it. <laughs> but he's, he's incredible in the movie. Like the, as, cat, the caterpillar is just like, great. Said, you know, I'm a pretty little butterfly. Like I was just like, Oh my God. I was like, I was, I was ratatouille back to my childhood. I was like, yeah, I think, I think what it is for me is that the performance of the Caterpillar is kind of the single most memorable thing Mm -hmm. from both of these movies for me. I always, for Uh, some reason, remember uh, the queen and uh, um, Julie Louis Dreyfus as well. Oh yeah. And it's like, listen, I'm (laughs) Good, good villain, but that's you love to hate him. But, but listen, you love to hate him. But he who shall not be named really does a great job in the movie. He's great. Yeah, he's yeah. great in the Which, movie. He's yeah. a big piece of shit. But you watch it and you're you're scared of him. Yeah, it's yeah. Except you, he said do with that. I don't know, but times. I was like, I don't know about that. Um, yeah. Hayden Panettiere plays Dot, which I didn't know. Uh, the the little ant. And sure. uh, and I also think um, I'm blanking on his name, which is a real shame because I definitely know Dave Foley does a really good job as Flick. But yeah, I think you know. Oh, also the 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 two Roly Polies. Oh yeah, they're the original minions, and you can't tell me otherwise at all. That's a that's a that's a that's a very interesting observation. They I wouldn't sp- try to. They speak in gibberish and they like repeat things other people say, and they hit each other like it's yeah. wild. The bananas. They are just they are just the uh, the minion catalyst for Nights ninety nine, um, but I just I feel like a Bug's Life is just so lacking in just an interesting story. Like we have to, sure. like when they were like, "We'll build a giant bird." I really this time thought, "Is that the best plan we have?" <laughs> like what happens when that workshop bird, that for five more minutes? What happens when that bird just doesn't eat anybody? Or what happens when the crickets come back next week thinking the bird might be gone? Like, you're just going to keep having this bird swoop down and then and then hoping they fly away? Like, what if they stay yeah. for an extra second and then the bird just comes back the same way and it eventually just levels out? <laughs> that would not... That would be rough. Oh, also, I want to mention Tarz... I know Tarz... You know, I want to mention Tarzan's voice performances are great. Mini Driver truly should have been in consideration for an Oscar nomination. She is fantastic in this. She has the line from the trailer where she mentions, I can't think of it now, but she mentions her boot. And she has this British way of saying, um, like, daddy, he took my boot. And it's just, she's really good in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I uh, just makes me think of the trunk of a car when you're talking about the British way of saying it. Daddy, he took up all the space in the trunk of my car. She's like rambling through this thing. And then she goes, um, uh, and the last thing she says is they took my boot and it's just really fucking funny. She's very good. Uh, all right. What else? So now we move on to harder road to success. Uh, 
Well, I mean, Tarzan overperformed. You know, like Hercules made 120. Pocahontas made 120. Sure. Tarzan made 171. And A Bug's Life was coming off of Toy Story, which was a huge thing. I'm going to say Tarzan, because I think A Bug's Life coming off Toy Story is big. And I I get that, like, it wasn't guaranteed, because we didn't know if Pixar was here to stay yet. Right. But that's a hell of a lead-in. Where so uh, th- Tarzan's lead-in was Mulan, which made 120, the same as all the others. Yeah, and you don't uh, you don't think that just kind of the perpetual string of uh, Disney classics coming out? Uh, you know what? That's a good point. Also, Bugs Life made I think a little more than Toy Story did, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's still it's really it's really tough for me to to look at any of these uh, any of the Disney movies of the '90s, even if Tarzan is like a little separated from your uh, your Lion Kings, your Aladdin. It did it overperformed? Yeah, yeah, but it's still it's still just kind of like it's there's there's not enough of a break for me from those movies. There's a bit of a lull in performance, but I think the uh, I think the newness of Pixar, which right. wasn't even part I of agree. yet. I feel uh, like yeah. I feel like if it was if it that's true, they were just distributing them. Um, I feel like if it was any other movie against A Bug's Life, I might give it to A Bug's Life. Except for I guess if it was another studio's movie. Sure, but Stuart Little, exactly. Um, because I I do think that Toy Story is a great. I think people were anticipating their next thing, but uh-huh. uh, I agree. All, All right, right, so Bug's Life gets that one. So we're uh, uh, we're, t- we're tied up now. All right, so each, tar- uh, each movie's each movie's got two to one. Yeah, and they're basically the same stat wise. Tarzan seventy nine on Metacritic, Bugs Life seventy seven. Uh, Bugs Life was nominated for an Oscar. Tarzan won an Oscar. Yeah, I, I don't know what a uh, Bugs yeah. Life was nominated for. It couldn't be for song. There wasn't a song in that. No, uh, and there obviously was not a best animated feature category yet. Uh, yeah. Uh, Production design? No, no I don't no. know. What you've I mean, it, 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 before. My guess is sound. Oh, sure. Or score. Okay. It was it was score. It was because they they had the original score in uh, two categories. This okay. is nominated for musical or comedy score. Gotcha. It's a good score. Um, Wait, musical or comedy score? Yeah, they they separated them for a while. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. Pretty. Yeah, that's why most of uh, that's why there are some Oscar nominations. You know, that's why Home Alone was nominated. That's why Mrs. Doubtful. You know, there's there's a lot on our list of nominations that are just for uh, this defunct category. Okay. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire is not one of them. All right, so then, yeah, legacy of the film itself, Noah. I it might be Tarzan, actually. I think it is. I think I think when you're talking legacy, and like as I was saying earlier, both of these movies have really don't shine in comparison to what's around them. But I think bug's life has just been completely fucking crowded out by literally everything else Pixar did. Well, at that's because that's because gone on to do that's because Pixar started with two class with, you know, it's sandwiched by two classics and then Pixar went on their run. Yeah. So that's so, real tough for bug's life. If yeah, a bug's life like, came out like after, you know, cars two, 
Actually, if it came after Cars 2, I think we'd still sit down at a Pixar slump. If it came out after, like, uh, The Good Dinosaur, I think we'd all be like, okay, hey, look, we're, we're sure. you know, it might have made more money. But it's it's just not up there with their stuff, and so I don't, it's not talked about at all. No. Uh, whereas, like, Tarzan, I think, still has some, it's got some shine to it uh, today, even if it's not, it's nowhere near you know, even like a Mulan in terms of right. its legacy. So I, I agree, Tarzan. Where does that leave us? Uh, so Tarzan is up three to two right now. So it moves on. Uh, again, we got to we gotta oh, do, we gotta do because, both legacies here. Is it, well, you said it's up three to two. So you mean that yeah, it's split? But if, yes, I guess it is. Uh, it is still split from. Okay, so it's three quality. to two and two to three for me. No, for you. Tarzan has three three points for you and two for me. I that's what you meant. Bugs Life has two points for me and one for you. I see I thought when you said it's three to two, I thought you meant three to two in favor of Tarzan total. And I was like, well then we have game. I see. I gotcha. Okay. So uh legacy for the participants. I don't know. <laughs> They're all full of I mean veteran act i don't know here's here's who here's who i think edges out legacy for tarzan mm-hmm. i think it's phil collins oh interesting i think tarzan uh you know obviously he was a bigger deal before that but i think it kind of gave him a uh, a revival certainly you know amongst the youth that he would not have otherwise had yeah whereas like i don't think I don't think a bug's life is a big data point in any of its voice actors uh, careers. No, like it's in like who, who even knew Hayden Panettiere played dot when she was like five. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think the, I think Phil Collins for, for me seals it for Tarzan. It's a good argument. I'll take it. Tarzan moves forward. All right. All right. And Pixar is, well, we have two Pixar movies that will be represented. Just not in this category, I guess. Right. All right, so now okay, so now we so now that uh, Pixar's out of it, um, this could certainly be entirely Disney animation in this category. Let's find out. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Stuart Little's going to win. <laughs> the three seed Beauty and the Beast versus the six seed Stuart Little. Beauty and the Beast was released November fifteenth, nineteen ninety one. It's opening weekend, twelve million dollar expansion. It grossed one hundred forty six million total in North America. Stuart Little was released December 17th, 1999. Opening weekend, weekend million, final gross, 140. Pretty similar. Yeah. Just eight part. Beauty and the Beast cost $25 million, which is just what? Um, gross 248. That's profit of 995. Stuart Little cost 133. It grossed 300. That's profit of 225.1 goes to beauty and the beast uh did you watch stuart little for this noah no i didn't feel that i needed to to either uh beauty and the beast seen it many times i was a big stuart little fan as a child i also watched it i i would i would have liked to have watched it again if we had time but uh i mean i did i I guess i chose not to watch it but yeah i could watch it again what i'm saying either case beauty and the beast is up 2-0 yes Harder Road to Success. Uh, Beauty and the Beast coming off of A Little Mermaid. So does that. Stuart Little. Um, I don't know. Kids movies were big in 99. I don't, I don't know. Is yeah. it maybe just Here's, Stuart Little for overperforming? 
140 seems like a lot. Here's my question for you, and I know this is a, this is officially a legacy data point, mm-hmm. but do you consider Beauty and the Beast's uh, Best Picture nomination part of its success? I never considered that as part of a harder road to success. Okay. But that is interesting. Because if we define that as a success, then it's Beauty and the Beast for sure. I also just like, you know, when you consider the eight-year difference, Beauty and the Beast kind of definitively made more money. Well, it certainly did. did. And it did not have the, you know, it had the Little Mermaid lead-in, but it didn't have the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin lead-in. It was the second one. So I, I think I'm, I think I'm going Beauty and the Beast here. Uh, I think I'm going to go Stuart Little. Uh, 140 really stands out to me as a, a big number. Okay, so I'm going to go Stuart Little here. Um, all right, Beauty and the Beast then became the number one animated film of all time. 95 on Metacritic. That's a very high Metacritic score. Six Oscar nominations, including being the very first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture, and some would say Noah still the true only animated film since all the other animated films being up and toy story three and maybe inside out. I don't recall um, Uh occurred or were nominated because we had an expanded category. There's, I I mean, there's argument to be made that like if there were five toy story three might've gotten in up, might've gotten in, but I'm just saying that there there could be an asterisk to the rest of them because there was sure. a different rule. This was the original five nominees only. Who's to say? But this was the first one. It also won two Academy Awards. Stuart Little had a 61 on Metacritic and one Oscar nomination. And Legacy, uh, for both Legacies, just goes to Beauty it's, and the Beast. Yeah, it's there's obviously no, Beauty and the yeah, Beast. There's yeah. no, the, the Best Picture nomination is going to take it very, very far. Yes, it is. And uh, Beauty and the Beast moves on. Certainly does. All right, Good let's for Stuart Little for getting a point. Yes, uh, you're welcome, Stuart. Uh, our last matchup. Let's see what's going to face Beauty and the Beast. Um, the two seed Aladdin versus the seven seed Pocahontas. Aladdin was released November thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. Its opening weekend, nineteen million dollar expansion. It would go on to gross two hundred seventeen million dollars domestically. Pocahontas was released June sixteenth, nineteen ninety five. Its opening weekend. A $29 million expansion, a final gross of $141. Aladdin cost $28 million. It grossed $504. That's a profit of $1,800. Pocahontas cost $55. It grossed $346. That's a profit of $629. Point one goes to Aladdin. Quality of movie, did you rewatch any of these? No, I don't care for Pocahontas, and Aladdin is quite good. Uh, yeah, I, I like Pocahontas fine. I watched it a lot as a kid. I had the action figures, but Aladdin is... Uh, my favorite Disney movie of this era, so uh, I'm giving it to Aladdin as well. Yes. Um, harder road to success. So, how, how, uh, is is this going back to the um, the Beauty and the Beast thing, where, or just the I guess the Tarzan of it all, where it, Aladdin had was coming off of uh, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast's first Oscar uh-huh. nomination, plus its success. Pocahontas coming off of a little. Inc- all of that, including Aladdin and the Lion King. Yeah. I think Pocahontas clearly had the stronger lead in and yeah. did. I also less think, with it. I also think Aladdin overperformed. Yeah. 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 So okay. I think it's, it's unquestionably Aladdin to me. That's we a, have our first sweep. That's a clean sweep. Our first sweep of this episode. Oh, I feel yes, like, yeah, I feel oh, like yeah. we had one in the last. Oh week. yeah. I just, I just meant of, uh, 
of the episode. Looking back, at, le- at the very least, Toy Story swept Mission Impossible. So coming up in the round of 32, the one seed, the Lion King, will take on the four seed Tarzan, which is uh, the... Oh boy, I don't have the original things. Never mind. And Beauty and the Beast, the three seed, will take on the two seed Aladdin. Boy, oh boy, that Beauty and the Beast Aladdin is going to be real tough to go through. Yes, it is. Oh boy. And I think the Lion King and Tarzan is going to be interesting as well. So that's uh, very exciting. Um, Wow. Okay, moving on. The Tony Scott division, the action films. here we go. Our contenders, the one seed Independence Day against the eighth seed Goldeneye, the four seed Speed against the five seed Twister, the three seed Air Force One against the six seed Face Off, and the two seed Armageddon versus the seven seed Deep Impact. Um, Independence Day was released July 2nd, not Independence Day, 1996. Opening weekend, $50 million over that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And since it opened on the 2nd, 96 over its 6th day. It grossed $300 million, 306 domestically. GoldenEye was released November 17th, 1995. It opening, it's opening weekend, 26. Final gross, 106. Independence Day cost $75 million. It grossed 117 worldwide. That's profit of 1090 GoldenEye cost $60 million. It grossed $352. Profit of $587. Uh, we recently did, uh, with our good friend Amada Oates, um, the, uh, from Thinking Outside the Boombox, the Getting Willy With It series, where we watched all we followed Will Smith's box office career. Uh, so we recently seen Independence Day. And, uh, and Noah, you, you had rewatched GoldenEye. Yes. Did you finish uh, it, or did you just watch Bits? Just watch bits of okay. GoldenEye. And how did that go? What are you picking? You, you of, of the three of us, Ahmad, me, and you, you were the biggest fan of Independence Day. Yes. So did, I, did GoldenEye, was GoldenEye enough to overtake it? Are you still picking Independence Day? That was, I think, a, a big story coming out of Getting Willy Wit is that I think Independence Day is really good. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, my recollection of your opinion was okay at best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now my pick for quality here is Independence Day. I think wow. it's pretty close. Uh, I think Gold. I think Goldeneye uh, works really well as a uh, as sort of just like a fun action movie. And I think these are both movies that just if they're if they're on, uh, I I can I can sit there and watch them. They're uh, they're great fun. Um, but I I still I still find that Independence Day works very well. At, uh, at juggling all its storylines. I, I at least find many of its characters very memorable uh, and good. And I just, I, I really like it. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I, I rewatched every James Bond movie. Well, I, I, I'd only seen the Brosnans and uh, Craig's, but I, I watched all of them in order. Yeah. Uh, during the quarantine. And so I recently saw Goldeneye um, this past winter. And uh, uh, my my pick is Goldeneye. I think that it's really really strong. Pierce Brosnan is great in it. Uh, he automatically differentiates himself from previous Bonds. It's it's really like a true like oh he knows what he's doing right away. Um, the story's pretty decent. Uh, the Bond villains are good. Is this the one with Famke? Yes. Boy, she is just a bat out of hell in this one, man. She yes. is. Did, did you get to her first death scene and shit? I no, I did not. Oh, I didn't. Boy. I I uh, I missed that. But she, she was, just like uh, she, she suffocates men with her thighs. Like, it's just she is and her like face nice. while she's doing it 
is just yeah. very like she's having a great day. It's it's a wild performance. Um, did you get to the best scene in the movie, which is the tank scene? Yes. I, I did, mean, uh, how great is that tank scene? It's really good. He, it's, he busts uh, out, and it's the first time that they use like the real theme of the of the thing. Yeah, the da na na na, and he just that that scene where he busts through the thing, and then there's a moment where he just like fixes his tie while he's driving a tank. I mean, it's just the coolest thing ever. It's great. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, don't don't hear what I'm not saying no, no, here. No, no, Goldeneye, yeah. Goldeneye is quite good. Uh, but I'm just I'm just very fond of Independence Day. Oh sure, I'm giving this to Goldeneye. I think that it's really good, and that that tank scene is uh, one of the sure. better Bond scenes. Uh, plus it's just, it harkens back to like every time that you hear the, like that, um, airy music, the, uh-huh. it almost sounds like Darth Vader breathing. You know what I mean? The yeah, sure. It's just very, takes you back to N64. Uh, anyway, harder road to success. Uh, I mean, you know, the bond movies had been in a huge slump. This became the highest grossing bond movie. I believe I might be wrong, but I think so. Maybe not. Who's to say? But they were in a big slump. There hadn't been a Bond movie in like seven years. Um, and this was his big comeback. Or, you know, at a time where, who knows if we've outgrown Bond as a franchise. Or sure. do we give it to Independence Day, which has a very uh, blockbuster plot and, and stuff uh, overperforming. Now, it did have Goldblum, who was coming off of, you know, Jurassic Park and whatnot. He's, he, Goldblum... Truly had a terrific 90s. And I don't think anybody talks about that enough. No, I don't. Uh, but it's wild. His, 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 his 90s were huge. He had a f- huge amount of like giant movies. Yeah, he gets a... Uh, I, think, I think his reputation is firmly in like supporting character actor. But you're right. He's got, uh, off the top of my head, at least three... Uh, lead or co-lead uh, enormous hits yeah um all, so all I, of which are in this tournament so i i don't know how are you leaning here i'm leaning goldeneye because i think well independence day did overperform uh you've got like you see you've got jeff goldblum who was really hot at the time mm-hmm. uh will smith had not like broken out fully yet right. as a movie star but i bet i bet he was on people's radars pretty good it was the year after I, bad boys which made like 50 and uh or was the bad boys 96 i'm gonna check i think my in my mind it came out the year after let me check yeah but it was it was at least before independence day we know that yes really. and uh and yeah, I think between Bad Boys and uh, it was it was it was ninety five. Yeah, so yeah. It was a year before, and, you know, and the, the Fresh Prince was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, the success of Fresh Prince. I I think I think people had their eye on Will Smith going into this, and just like the the disaster movie premise is one of the oldest tricks in the book. Uh, whereas like Bond Bond was in a real slump, and I would not be surprised at all if. The, if James Bond had just died prior to this, so I'm uh, I'm le- I'm voting Goldeneye. I I'm, I'm gonna tell you something right now. If if there is a Bond movie that made more than this before this came out, I will give it to uh, uh, to Independence Day. If this was the highest grossing Bond movie, I will give it to. Uh, no, wait, get the fuck out of here. Hold on. I'm so sorry, everybody, for the delay. 
Well, this is trying to tell me that uh, Goldfinger made $125 million in 1964. And I just don't accept that as fact until I see otherwise. You got to figure Goldfinger's had a few uh, a few re-releases in its day. Even still. Yeah, it says 51. It says 51. It yeah, yeah, I knew that. You know, you really don't know who you can trust with these links, Noah. Because a lot of the, you know, they don't know any better, so they just take the, uh, the worldwide as the gross, and like, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. These things are split up for a reason. All right, here we go. The, the dash numbers, they'll have my back. Uh, okay, domestic box office. All right, here we go. Uh, no. And, you know, License to Kill, 1989, six years earlier, Noah, $34 million. The Living Daylights, 51. A View to Kill, 50. There wasn't a Bond movie that made over 70. Gold Moonraker in 1979 made 70. Everything else. And obviously, they're, you know, these older Bond movies, they gross less, but ticket prices are so much lower that almost all of them probably sold more tickets than GoldenEye. But I'll, I'll go with GoldenEye as well. So it's two for GoldenEye. All right. Um, Independence Day was the number one film in 1996, the number two film in history. 59 on Metacritic, two Oscar nominations, one win. GoldenEye is a 65 on Metacritic. That's its only stat. Legacy of the movie itself, Mr. Drukey. I think this one is really tough. And, you know, when we... When we get into sort of the the broader legacy oh. category is kind of where I think Independence Day shines a little more. But like the legacy of Goldeneye is is not only like reviving the James Bond franchise, but I think kind of turning it into a, a into like a full blown modern blockbuster franchise. Yeah. In the way that, you know, Casino Royale and uh, not Sp- Skyfall is what it's called. Uh, what were you about to say? Not what? The Spectre is mm-hmm. the one that kept coming to mind. Uh, which like may have made money, but just isn't what I'm talking about here. I uh, where but like Independence Day does have the incredibly famous uh, you know iconography, the blowing up of the White House. It also how how many imitators you know followed Independence Day? How many of these giant movies about the Earth dying or alien invasions were copycats of it? It it revolutionized marketing for a film. That Super Bowl trailer is iconic with the White House blowing up. Yeah, um, you know it it was the first image anyone had seen of the movie only six months or whatever five months prior to the movie coming out. Um, so it, it revolutionized how movies were marketed. And uh, I, I think Independence Day is a really strong case. Uh, one of the one of the all-time famous movie speeches. Absolutely. And it has more than, you know, more than that. It has Welcome to Earth. It does. Uh, is, is, is a big one. Randy, how- Randy Quaid's uh, pr- presence is, I think, immeasurable. <laughs> I don't think any movie in our tournament can stand up. To the fact that Randy Quaid does what he does in this movie. How how much of the uh, you know you mentioned the Independence Day imitators? How much of that do you put solely on the back of Independence Day, 
versus sort of the quick succession relatively of Independence Day, Deep Impact and Armageddon. I I don't think you get Armageddon or Deep Impact. I mean, Deep Impact, they were trying to make forever, but I, I don't think you get those movies greenlit without Independence Day making, becoming the second biggest film in history. Okay. This like destruction, because I think part of it was people wanted to see cities and, you know, famous iconography go boom. You know what I mean? They wanted to see Los Angeles in that sure. scene, New York, then, the White House, and then in Armageddon, meteors you know destroy New York and and everywhere else. And yeah, and Deep Impact has uh, the big waves hitting New York and shit. Yeah, Independence Day is not the reason we still have disaster movies, but it is the reason that every disaster movie destroys the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes, it, is, is yes, what you're, what you're saying. It is the reason every disaster movie since it came out has massive sequences of city destruction. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think, I think the answer is independence day. I think golden eye has a stronger case than I expected, but uh, you know, then... gold, I mean, golden eye also, if we're talking about the movie, legacy of the movie has the video game, which is huge. That's true. Yeah. That when he, one of the greatest video games in history, you know, when he open when he opens up the, uh, the vent into the bathroom. Oh, get out. I mean, it's like, unreal. Literally, literally blown away by how much that affected me. I agree. True. Like truly. I would, I watched it too. And he like, like you, you see the, the door key code. Yeah. And you're just like, I know those exactly. I know. And then yeah. like, even, even that warehouse that that shootout happens. Like, I know that exact room from this video game. And every time I played it, I had a giant head and everyone had giant heads. Yeah. Cause I liked uh, that. Shootout. I thought it was fun. Were you an odd job guy? Oh, do you, would, could you play as odd job? I didn't know. That. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like the multiplayer. Yeah. No, I yeah, know. Was... I, I didn't play them. You know, I don't like playing multiplayer. No, it's even scary. back then. Come on. That's probably where it stemmed from. All right. <laughs> it was people sh- turning around and people shooting me in video games. I didn't like it. Yeah. Odd job. Odd job was the, the multiplayer choice because yeah. he was significantly shorter. Oh, so it was a harder target. Why was he shorter? He's large in the movie. I don't know, but he's a short dude. It seems like a weird, possible <laughs> racist thing. Uh, no, I but I did I did like the cheat code. We have a big head. Sure, it's it a lot of funny. fun. Anyway, uh, yeah. yes, that is part of it. And then if we're talking about the legacy of the people, you know, Pierce Brosnan becoming James Bond is huge, right? He's it one is. of the, yeah, it's one not, of the best Bonds. Although I really don't think there have been. I really don't think there have been any bad Bonds. I rewatched all of them. I think they're all good. But he clearly is like one of the more well known. His movies were some of the most uh, successful at the time. But uh, but we we had a whole podcast series about it. No. Yeah. And also just, you know, Independence the, Day gave us the Will Smith uh, action star. And so it did. That's and uh, it, all, it also is a big data point in the career of Jeff Goldblum, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. He was a big fucking deal for a while. And yeah, he's he, still very well liked. But he had a four-year run of Jurassic Park, Independence Day, and then The Lost World. That's, that's pretty yeah. crazy. For yeah. a guy like uh, Jeff Goldblum, who is not what you'd think of to be like leading action films after yeah. action film. So Independence Day does advance, Noah. It does. Gold and I put up a good fight, though. That was that was probably our closest one eight matchup yet. Yeah. No. Again, the one seed moves on. Our next matchup: Speed, the four seed against Twister, the five seed. Two fast titles converging into one battle. Speed was released June tenth, nineteen ninety four. Its opening weekend fourteen million dollars, final gross of one twenty one. 
Twister was released uh, May 10th, 1996, opening weekend of $41 million. Final gross, $241. Speed cost $30 million. It grossed $350. That's profit of $1,168. Twister cost $90 million. Its gross was $494. That's profit of $549. Nearly doubling, maybe over doubling. Who's to say? Speed takes uh, game one. Yes. Quality of movie. You have you seen you've seen Twister, right? I've seen Twister many, not maybe not many, but several times. I've seen it less than most people, but Speed is uh, an action classic and one of my favorite action films. So, Speed takes it for me. I'm not even that big a fan of Twister, but yeah, Speed I think I think I think Twister is fine. Uh, but Speed, you know, we we both rewatched recently. I truly uh, just find Twister uncompelling. Like, <laughs> I've seen it a bunch. And I still, even now, think, why are they in the mess? You can just leave the area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, they're, the, they're, they're doing it for something. I don't know why. They're not storm fleers. Okay, but once it becomes, like, the worst thing on Earth, which it does, yeah. just go home. You can do that. So, I, I don't know. But speed is absolutely terrific from start to finish. It is. Speed, speed holds up incredibly well. It's, uh, it's outstandingly good. Uh, harder road to success. So, you know, speed made a lot, but 121's not insane. Twister, that 241 is really crazy to me for, for a movie like Twister. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like, he- Helen Hunt was probably, Mad About You was probably on, I don't know. Uh, she hadn't won her Oscar yet. That was the next year, actually, that she wins her Oscar. And, uh, Bill, uh, which one? Paxton, I think? I think, I believe it is Paxton. Yeah. I will double I'm pretty sure it's facts because I think Pullman's Independence Day. He is, yes. Yeah. Um, Titanic hadn't come out yet, which is, I think the only thing people know him from where he had a significant role. I don't know the rest of his career, but uh, I, I, I think I, think I won't say right. Twister. I think twi- that's just a two forty one is nuts in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I think with the relative success, it's got to be Twister. All right, so we're tied. Uh, well, no, Speed's speed up. is up two one. Uh, all right, legacy of the movie itself. Speed has a 78 on Metacritic, three Oscar nominations, two Academy Awards, Noah, um, and it was at least nominated for editing, which is great. Um, Twister has two Oscar nominations, didn't win anything, because why, Noah? Uh, because it's not that good? No, but they were technical categories, and what would have won that year for technicals? In 1996? Yeah. I... Uh... Could it be? No, not any of those. Independence not... Day. Yes, correct. <laughs> there it is. It's not going to win sound or visual effects when going up against Independence Day. So, no. uh, for legacy of the film itself, I think it's Speed. I think Speed has one of the all-time great premises for a movie like this. The bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. It's a. Uh, it's just it's very, it's very distinct. Mm. Not not even the way that like Die Hard has one of the all time great premises, and that like movies for years were just trying to be Die Hard somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but like the the specific, you're on a bus with a bomb and it can't go less than fifty miles an hour, like endures to this day. Sure. Uh, so I yes I vote speed here. And speed for the other legacy of the participants, 
it's still or it's still speed. Oh yeah, it would definitely be speed. San- it does, uh, it, it, you know, Sandra Bullock had made. I don't. Sandra Bullock had made some movies. I don't think she had. She, this was certainly her first big starring role. Keanu Reeves had done Point Break and Bill and Ted, but this really solidified him. We we don't have Keanu Reeves in the Matrix without Keanu Reeves in Speed. And uh, John DeBont, I think this was his directorial debut. If I'm not mistaken, I'm going to check. He was a cinematographer for a while, but um, this is your directorial debut. Is pretty fucking nuts. Yeah, it's uh, if that's yeah. the case. It certainly went up. Even even if not, it's it uh, was uh, Noah. Oh my god, I didn't even put this together. What was his follow up movie? I have no idea. Twister, the five seed. It's faces two John DeBond movies. That's very interesting. I would have uh, been beefing that up in the intro. That's cool. He's got, you know, we even... had the Spielberg v. Spielberg last week, the, the, the DeBond for DeBond in this. Yeah, didn't even know that until uh, Twister had already been eliminated. He, he also directed The Haunting, which was in contention in the draft and not picked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's speed. Speed moves on. It does. And it'll take on Independence Day in a truly interesting matchup in two I weeks. Think, uh, yeah, I think after its matchup against GoldenEye, I think Independence Day is uh, is fallible. It it's, could, it's vulnerable. It is, yeah. yes. Especially because right. you don't like it. <laughs> so I'm going to work harder to make sure it loses every category. I just mean it's it's no, a no, down no. a point. It, it already is down a point, especially against speed. I mean, yeah. Uh, our next matchup, the three-seed Air Force One against the six-seed Face-Off. Air Force One was released June 15th, 1997. That can't be right. Noah, please look that up. I think it's July. Okay. It's opening weekend, 37. <laughs> it didn't come out 12 days before Face-Off. Um, opening weekend, $37 million, a final gross of 173. Face-Off was, I know, released June 27th, 1997, because I know that was in June. Opening weekend, $23 million, a final gross of one. 112 million. Noah, when did Air Force One come out? Uh, this Google search would have me believe it is July 25th. 1997. Okay, great. July. I knew it was in July. We'll take yeah. that as counting. Uh, Air Force, I'll, I'll fix it for the next thing. Uh, I'm actually going to delete it now so I know that I fix it for the next thing. Um, Air Force One costs $85 million to make. It grossed $315. That's profit of $370. Face-off costs $80 million to make. It grossed $245. That's profit of $307. Can you imagine winning with $370? But it happened just now. Yeah. Against against $307. You just flip two of the numbers. That's right. Um, but boy, oh boy, that, that, you know, that's like having a you know ace high and just being like, wait, I won? Really? Why? Yeah. Um, Air Force One takes game one. Uh, quality of movie. We, we rewatched Face Off. Yes. And I rewatched Air Force One. Did you watch Air Force One? No, I've seen Air Force One a bunch. Uh, yeah. I was, I was all set on my opinion there. What are you picking here for quality of movie then? I, I thought Face Off was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it might be one of those uh, one of those movies that everyone's like, ah, face off, how ridiculous, and isn't ridiculousness fun inherently? And I might just be like, no, it isn't. Uh, but no, it really it really does mostly work, and John Travolta is uh, incredibly good in it. 
Yeah. But as uh, we both kept remarking on it as we watched it, Nicolas Cage is actively quite bad. He's actually, I truly and, like, I get the fact that he's like, oh, it's fun because he's being ridiculous. But in the context of a movie, he's yeah. not doing the job that he needs to do in that, which is he's not acting like John Travolta. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's not acting like John Travolta. He's acting like yeah. an insane person. It's not even that like he's acting. He's mostly the normal one when he's when he's acting like uh, the villain whose name has uh, left me. Cast- I want to think of is Sander Cage. Caster. Caster. Someone's Caster, name is Caster. I. Yeah. Uh, I'll look it up. But, but yeah, like, he's good when he's like doing the bomb sure. thing in the church. But then when he's just spending an hour crying in prison, he's really bad. Uh, whereas I don't think any of Air Force One is really bad. Uh, I think it... Uh, Caster it Troy and Sean Archer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Caster Troy. Uh, I think Air Force One is really good, and I'm picking it. I really... Sh- not I, that cage performance. I, I really struggled here, because on the one hand, I do think Face Off is like impeccably made. Technically, like those stunts are real and they're, they look incredible. Those are real yeah, people, a lot of, really a lot of terrific dr- action scenes and really driving those boats, real people flying off the boat as it explodes behind them. Like those are all really well done. And I think the movie has a lot of fun. I think it's easy to follow like who's who, you know what I mean? That's it's very yeah. easy to just look at them and know what's going on. Um, and it's ridiculous. And it, it's 110 the whole time. It's just nuts. Uh Air Force One is is more restrained. It's very, you know, more grounded in a sense, although I think it does get a little like I think that the last action bit of like repelling between planes is just like, come on, can we just sure. fucking finish this? It's like truly like <laughs> the, the bad guy's gone. Why are we now like, but what about the other one? Like, no, 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 no one needs this. Um, Harrison Ford's really good in it. And there are actual, I like that there are actual stakes. Like he, like Gary Oldman shoots people in the movie and it really makes it very startling. Um, and it's really good. I, I, if truly, if Nicholas Cage had given not a normal, I don't need him to give a normal performance because he's not a normal performer, but John Travolta played Nicholas Cage playing the bad guy. Yeah, and he did a great job. Nicholas Cage does not play John Travolta playing a good guy. He plays an entirely different character than John Travolta was in the first 10 minutes of the movie, and it takes you out of it entirely. You're watching me, who is this person now? Why is he different than what we saw? Yeah. And it ruins the movie for me. I, I really think it's a great time at the movies. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's good. I can't pick it here in quality because it's just too broad. It takes you out of it. So I am going to give it to Air Force One. Although I will say that with a better, with a more neutralized cage performance, this is face off hands down. Because I think the rest of it is better than Air Force One. I just think that Air Force One is just really, really solid, and so it's just a little bit higher. Yeah, sure. Uh, all right, so that's two uh, O for Air Force One. Uh, for harder road to success, I'm going to give it to Air Force One because I. I because I think that Face Off had a huge amount of um, hype going into it, and it only made a hundred, like it made money one hundred and twelve. But like they, this was going to be a huge deal. And Harrison, like the poster for Air Force One, it knew what it was doing. It literally said, "Harrison Ford," and this was on the poster note, "is the president of the United States." It said that That's- under his name on the poster. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, it made about as much as The Fugitive, which was six years 
ish, uh, older. But uh, it was just a high concept. It was the star plus concept. We've seen it a thousand times. And Face Off had the sure. same thing. And Air Force One just made more. So I feel like I'm going to give it to Air Force One just because I think it, I feel like if they performed the same, I might go face off. But I think because it made more, I'm going to give Harder Road or I'm going to give Harder Road to Air Force One because face off just didn't do as well as the other one. I don't know. What about you? Do, you? do you think there's an argument to be made that Harrison Ford is just a significantly bigger star than either Travolta or Cage to kind of make up the difference there? I think Cage by this point had The Rock and Con Air under his belt. Okay. And John Travolta had, you know, nominated for, he had his big comeback three years earlier with Pulp Fiction, um, nominated for an Oscar. So I do think that that's true, that Harrison Ford was a bigger star, but I, I don't think that that means that they were, less on the totem pole than him okay necessarily I, I, I do think he was a bigger deal sure but not by such a wide margin but i just think that you you the the big thing was we have these two actors going against yeah. each other it's a it's an interesting take that doesn't come up very much in these discussions where like we we often talk about a harder road being like harder harder to the massive success that a movie got mm. so it kind of gets more points but we don't often mention like taking points away because a movie should have made more money than it did. Yeah. But I think, I think you're, I think you're right that you got to consider that like face off had a, a shorter road and it should, it should have had a longer road and a harder hill to climb, but it, you know, it failed to, I feel like we're going to have a lot of, uh, well, no one listens to this, but we're going to have a lot of people surprised that face off gets eliminated against like air force one, but that them's the breaks. I feel like, the legacy of the movie is goes to face off here. Um, and then I don't know about the second legacy, but certainly one of the legacy, the legacy of the movie goes to face. off. I think it's more talk. Yeah. About. Well, uh, it would, it's if, more uh, memeable, but it doesn't air force yeah. one moves on. Let's see what's going to face air force one. The two seed Armageddon versus the seven seed deep impact. Armageddon was released July 1st, 1998. It's opening weekend, 36 million over the three day, 54 million over the five day, a final gross of two Oh one deep impact was released May 8th, 1998 opening weekend, 41 final gross, 349. So these were the two movies about asteroids headed toward earth released two months apart. Yeah. Just a wild face off. Uh, no pun intended from our last discussion in the summer of 1998 Armageddon costs $140 million. It grossed five fifty three. That's profit of three ninety five. deep impact costs 80. That's a profit of three forty nine. Uh, no, sorry, that's grossed three forty nine. That's a profit of four thirty six point one. Goes to Deep Impact. Quality of movie. I had never seen Deep Impact before. Uh, Noah, you rewatch. What did you think about your uh, little skipping around rewatch? I I think I was more fond of it than you were. Uh, Deep Impact, a movie that I've seen. Uh, I saw a bunch like shortly after it came out, it was one of those mm. that I would rent a lot, but then had not seen in many years. Uh, I think I, I like deep impact, but honest, I wish it was like an hour longer. I, I that's what I said to you. I think yeah, it, 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 it is leaves I, too much on the table. Yeah. But like, I, I, th I think you're a, there was at least one of the major plot threads that you just weren't into at all. Uh, that's true 
Uh, whereas like, I, I thought they, I thought they all, they all fundamentally worked for me mm-hmm. uh, to, to varying degrees, but it was just, it was tough when there was so much going on in a relatively constrained uh, amount of time. Yeah. I, I do want to make a note here. Uh, Deep Impact, its final gross domestically was 140. I was uh, just about to make that same note. Not 349. That was its worldwide <laughs> gross. Armageddon made more money. Yeah, because when I when I when I heard and saw that number, I was briefly no, like, no. "How is Deep Impact a seven seed? Is it gonna win?" <laughs> no, it made 140. It made 140 domestically to Armageddon's two. Go ahead. I. So yeah, I, my my take on Deep Impact is that it's good, and I I like it. I like I like that it's you know in relative to, relative to Armageddon, a much more restrained movie. I uh, yes, I and that's just that 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 kind of thing just worked really well. But what gets your vote? My vote goes to Armageddon mm, because. Michael Bay is one of those directors. I I thought of this metaphor earlier today. Mm. He's like a baseball player Uh that is really strong and hit the ball really far and goes up to the plate and every time swings as hard as he possibly can, which (laughs) most, most of the time, much more often than not ends with him both striking out and looking completely ridiculous doing, doing it. You watch it and you're just like, what? The complete buffoon. What? Why would anyone want this guy on their team? But then sometimes he makes contact and that ball is like a 500. Uh, he run. did. He did not make contact. Robert Zemeckis directed contact also about <laughs> outer space with uh, Jodie Foster. Can you imagine if he had though? It would have been his most restrained movie of all. Yeah. A very somber look at what would happen if aliens, you know, wanted yeah. to talk to us. Yeah. Uh, and I think Armageddon is one of those movies that's just like it's just like a 500 foot home run uh, from from this ridiculous man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite it's quite fun. It was one of our early uh, core Zoom watches. Yep. Uh, and yeah, just just really kind of works throughout. It, it, you know, I hadn't seen Deep Impact. Uh, I'm not a giant fan of end of the world movies i admit it's it's i was thinking about it while watching it it's because it's something that if it happened in real life we have no control over and we know it's coming you know it's 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 a death that you know is on its way which is terrifying you know uh i you know like the thing where like if if i wasn't selected for this imaginary lottery you just like well, uh, it'll hit at five o'clock. That sucks. Like it just, or weird. you could go to the Appalachian mountains or whatever. <laughs> you could just get on a really high mountain. Apparently. Well, I mean, with the second one, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have helped, but, um, sure. but yeah. So, you know, I, I have trepidations watching this kind of stuff, but it's also stuff I'm interested in. I, you know, I've told no this before, but like every time, like, you know, an Avengers ends, I want an extra two hours explaining like, what the news stations are saying, how the news reports play out. What is the white house's response? How does the cleanup begin? You know, like what, what social media groups are like, we were volunteers to help clean up New York. Like that's just interesting to me, the real world stuff that we know happens set in these otherworldly events. So everything about that with deep impact is, you know, everything with Morgan Freeman, was fascinating to me. And I just wanted that the outer space stuff I thought was just so unnecessary and boring. Like, I don't care, whatever, you know, the guy gets blind. He reads a book to him. They decide yeah. to sacrifice themselves. 
I've seen and I'm not only saying I've seen it in Armageddon. It's just not interesting for any movie. Um, yeah, but it is it is tough, especially when directly compared to Armageddon. Well, like yeah, that is, yeah, that is the part of the movie that is most just Armageddon, but not as good. It's, especially them like on the rock, and I'm just like, this is this is, this doesn't look as good. Like, yeah, and it costs a lot less. I mean, it costs sixty million dollars less, and you see it on the screen. The visual yeah. effects, especially on that asteroid shit, are just not like they saved all their money, rightly so, for the big wave, which looks yeah. pretty good. But um, no, it's just it's not anything, and. Uh, uh, I think Mimi Leader, who's a television vet who rightly deserves more opportunities in film, really shoots the hell out of it. I think the, it looks good. I think the shot of uh, the like them riding that scooter and the asteroid coming is just a beautiful shot. I think that's just stunning um, and very cool and stuff. And so that stuff works. The Taylor stuff's okay. I think there's too many plot threads. I don't think they, they focus on what's interesting to me about this story. Armageddon is 20 minutes longer and is nonstop paced from start to finish like it moves like a bullet armageddon and the music has one of the great epic scores of all time the music choices work it really puts like that's i mean that's what michael bay does is he makes montages and like this is it's one long montage it the music makes you feel so strongly in that movie it's just it's it, it might be michael bay's best most enjoyable movie and we just reviewed bad boys too so yeah take that how you will but armageddon is terrific it gets my vote um, harder road to success you know there's some there's a case to be made for coming second right uh-huh. audiences had already seen this movie basically they, they didn't know it was different but you know in their minds i just yeah i just saw the big asteroid movie armageddon had a more marquee star two of them i guess uh with the uh, affleck coming off of uh, goodwill hunting and bruce willis whereas deep impact has like you know, Morgan Freeman and Robert Duvall is like the biggest draws in that movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. Armageddon costs more. So the expectation is it would make more. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? I, I think the, the, the thing that sways me is if, if I'm a movie executive in uh, 1997 and I've got, Armageddon and Deep Impact coming out the same summer. I would want my movie to come first. Right. Because I think there's a real risk that the big asteroid movie comes out and everyone loves it. And then you show up a month later and be like, but what about this asteroid movie? Especially because as far as you know, shut up. Just because as far as you know, if you're the other executive and I think uh, Armageddon was distributed by, and I'm going to look it up. Um, Buena Vista maybe, but um which would mean it's a Disney movie. But, you know, you don't know what the other movie has. You don't know what it's about. You don't know how many sure. similar beats you might hit with it. And so it is very bold of, uh, and I'm finding it now, it is Buena Vista, so it is a Disney movie. Uh, Buena Vista being like, I don't care, two months later, we know what we have, boom, we yeah. have the big summer movie. Like That's just yeah. bold. And uh, so I'm, I'm voting Armageddon on that basis. All right, I, I, I will too. So uh, what is that? Two, Two one. to one Armageddon. All right, the movie itself. This is Armageddon. <laughs> it's got yeah. it's it's yeah, got sorry. a criterion. It's talked about still. You know, I mean, yeah. come on. It's, not it's not even close. In the asteroid wars, Armageddon uh, won the legacy there. 
And uh, just like in the summer of 1998, Armageddon beats Deep Impact. Yeah. Comes out on real, top. Uh, re- real quick. I don't. Uh, we don't need to spend more than uh, a brief time on this. But speaking of uh, similar disaster movies, were you a uh, Dante's Peak, Volcano, or neither person? I have seen Volcano. That's with Tommy Lee, right? Yes. I've in, in L.A. I've seen Volcano. Okay. Have you not seen, seen Dante's Peak? No, I've never seen Dante's Peak. Oh, damn. I know. I, I probably should. That. But no, I was no. a I was a Dante's Peak guy as a mm. child. Uh, I think I don't, I, a, I don't remember uh, much about Volcano, but I do. I have seen it before. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I guess that's uh, you know plays into your disaster movie thing. It does, especially because it, it, they they were earlier. You know, I yeah. did see Armageddon in theaters, Noah, when I was seven. So, all right, I, I, I have that. Yeah, you know, most people go like, you know, like they have things to brag about where they're like, oh, I went to game seven of the World Series. I think it's just as cool to say, you know, I saw him again in theaters. I was seven. Yeah, what was I, I doing? Right. I don't think I'm right, but I say it every time. <laughs> I go, well, you know, you know who saw, uh, uh, what's you know who saw my best friend's wedding when he was uh, six? Yeah, this guy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Sure. I saw it when I was young. Who's, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who? I don't like to bring it up. Um, we have our matchups for the Tony Scott uh, division for the uh, round of third, the Sweet 16, right? I think. Or the round of 32. Round of 32. Sorry. Uh, we have uh, the one seed Independence Day taking on the four seed Speed and the three seed uh, Air Force One taking on the two seed Armageddon. The same uh, ranking matchup as uh, yep. the Miyazaki full, division. Uh, full chalk there. All right, here we go. The Nor Efron division, the romantic comedies. Let's get a little lighter here. Yeah, no more asteroids heading toward the Earth. The one seed Pretty Woman takes on the four seed Notting Hill. Nope, eight seed Notting Hill. The four seed Jerry Maguire will take on the five seed Sleepless in Seattle. The three seed There's Something About Mary will take on the six seed Shakespeare in Love. And the two seed My Best Friend's Wedding will take on the seven seed You've Got Mail. Um, Pretty Woman was released March 23rd, 1990. Opening weekend, $11 million. Its final gross, 178. Notting Hill was released May 28th, 1999. Opening weekend, 22 and a 24 for the five day, because that was Memorial Day. Its final gross, 116 domestically. Pretty Woman cost $14 million, Mr. Jerky. Its gross was 463. That's a profit of 3,309. Just let that sit for a while. Notting, Notting Hill cost 42. Its gross was 363 worldwide. That's a profit of 866.1. It's a shame for Notting Hill because that eight is a big number, but it, game one does go to Pretty Woman. Yeah, the uh, the profit percentages are not uh, not huge in this tournament, like uh, in the same way we've seen in the past. And no, that, uh, well, again, and that could be chalked up to, we've mentioned it before, overseas expansion. Yeah, Hollywood movies started to make more money. They started to embrace bigger movies. And we also tailored our movies more to appeal to foreign audiences and overseas. And so the big boom of these epic movies. So the ones in this tournament in the 90s, smaller worldwide grosses. That's all. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's to say that Pretty Woman number is like enormous in this it is. tournament. It is enormous. And it's also something where back then you counted on selling your movie to ch- uh, TV channels to show and uh-huh. uh, VHS sales were huge. And so, you know, rental sales, selling the movie. Yeah. So um, you could, your movie could cost 80 million and only make 250 
and you're still probably going to turn a profit as the years go on and people rent the movie and shit. So, uh, quality movie. Noah, you hadn't seen Pretty Woman or possibly had, or you, okay, we decided that you hadn't. And it had been a while since you've seen Notting Hill. And so we, we rewatched both of these last night. Yes. How did it go? Uh, Notting Hill is really good. Just really, really just plays a, to Julia great. Roberts and Hugh Grant's strengths. And uh, they're great together. It's a gr- yeah. it's really a great movie. Yeah, it's a, a lot of fun. Works throughout. Uh, Pretty Woman, I don't think works anymore. And not not even not even just because the sexual politics of it are not like up to our modern standards, even though I think that's uh, that's probably pretty true throughout the uh, the power dynamics of rich guy who buys a hooker for a week are not I don't think as in balance as we would like to see today. Yeah, I also think that if this had come out today and it ended with Jason Alexander assaulting her at the end, oh well, yeah, sure, and Richard Gere having to save her, and like that was him like proving that he loves her or whatever. Like, okay, that's 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 crazy. That is that is true. That goes without saying that that was just a gross nineteen ninety thing. But just the 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 whole movie feels very dated, and Mm -hmm. I didn't think I didn't I just didn't think it was very good. No. I didn't either. I, I don't think that it has the best reputation for people who, you know, are kind of removed from it. I think a lot of people, it's a very special movie for them, you know, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, it was a classic. It's a classic. But I think that uh, if it's retrospective, it's just not good. And uh, no, it was it was very bland and boring. Uh, she's she's good in it, but she doesn't she's not given a chance to really shine, which I really thought was odd. I, it's It's a. You know, she has the big closing of the, the the case and her laugh and stuff, and she's very charming and funny throughout. But there's yeah. just something about it where it seems to just like tamper down that kind of um, um, emotion and uh, enthusiasm is yeah. the word I'm looking for. Well, I think she- it. I think what it, what it might be is that she. I don't know that she's as well suited to playing sort of the. Uh, the I don't know how better to put this, but like the weak one, mm-hmm. the one that's out of her element, the one that's supposed to be like so like thoroughly outclassed by Richard Gere that she's like she's meek kind of. Right. Whereas you look at you look at Notting Hill, she's obviously the exact opposite. She's the powerful one in that dynamic. Yeah. And even in my best friend's wedding, the same like, thing she's, best friend the, wedding. Yeah. She's, she's like the cynical city girl hotshot. Right. Uh yeah. So yeah, I think that I think that type of role is just works a lot better to her strengths. Yeah, and I I think Richard Gere's good in it. I just think it's not a good character. You know what I mean? I think no, I think that the character is is written to be this very like low energy. You know, he's coming off of like a huge tragedy and his marriage fell apart and everything. But yeah. and I think he's good at playing that. And I like when he's like loosening up and he's like laughing and making jokes. I think he's very charming. But the movie doesn't do him any favors, and also he sleeps weird. Yeah, and it's I I mentioned he has a this weird uh, sleeping style. He does. He's, he's a lot of bad positions for gear, <laughs> but I mentioned when we were watching it, and he's just he he very clearly demonstrates an open lack of respect for Julia mm-hmm. Roberts at, on many different occasions, in a way that's like you're you're not you're not falling in love. You're act. It's not happening. I can see it by the things right. you say, and the right. way that you treat her. Right. That was a weird thing. Where at one point you were like. I'm surprised we've this. I'm surprised we're this far into it. I'm like, why? You don't believe they're falling in love? And you were like, no. 
No, not at all. But Notting Hill is so well. Richard Curtis is just incredible. It's so well written, and they're both great in it. It's just a ton of fun. Uh, We're both giving this to Notting Hill. Yes. 1-1. Harder Road to Success. Uh, This is easily Pretty Woman. Yep. Yeah, we don't have to say uh, any more even, about that. Launch Julie Roberts. So then, a, <laughs> Julie Roberts' breakout role versus Julie Roberts years later, we're going with the breakout role. So, yeah. And also one, just made woman. more money, did it earlier. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's pretty. Two woman. One Pretty Woman. Legacy of the movie. Uh, pretty Woman was the number one romantic comedy of all time. 51 on Metacritic, one Oscar nomination, four best actors for Julie Roberts. Notting Hill is a 68 on Metacritic. So, I think the only thing for Notting Hill is that it's really good. I think it's well looked upon and um, and it has the quote. Yeah. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. And but I think it's probably pretty woman here. I think yeah, I think it's got the song, it's got them, it's got her dress, it's got the it's got the big mistake huge, the the clasp, you know, it's, it's it's got a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Pretty Woman doesn't have like quotes in the same way, but it has moments that are equally as famous. Yeah. Like she, he closes the necklace box and she laughs, and that's yeah. like that that show that'll show up in like an Oscar reel. Yeah, uh, it also yeah, has a lot just, of tropes. You know, the no kissing is a big trope, and sure, yeah, it's got a lot of stuff going. Yeah, on. So I, think, I, I think Pretty Woman just uh, just stands out too much. And unfortunately, Notting Hill does go down. Such Again, a, a one seed prevails. We only have one more chance for one seed to go down, Noah. And I don't think it will. Um, Probably not. The four seed, Jerry Maguire, will take on the fifth seed, Sleepless in Seattle. Jerry Maguire released December 13th, 1996. It's opening weekend, $17 million. Final gross, 154. Sleepless in Seattle was released June 25th, 1993. It's opening weekend, also $17 million. And it's final gross, 126. Jerry Maguire cost $50 million. It grossed two seventy three worldwide. That's a profit of five forty seven. dollars Sleepless in Seattle had a budget of $21. It grossed two twenty seven. dollars That's a profit of $1,084. Game one goes to Sleepless in Seattle. That's exciting. Okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Jerry, uh, quality of movie. I, re- I watched Sleepless in Seattle for the first time during quarantine. That's uh, yeah. I, I knew that because we'd talked about it before, but I'd, I'd like to hear more about that experience. You're, you're so often the one grilling me here. Well, How was your I, first visit to Sleepless in Seattle? I thought it was, I thought it was very good. I was I forgot that they were apart for so long for the whole movie. Yeah. And I think that hurts it as far as it's staying power. Is it like a romantic movie? Because it's just, there's no, there can't be that chemistry between two people that way as, as yeah. much as there can be when they're fate, when they're able to play off each other, I should say. But they're both great in it. I think it's well written. Um, the kids are not that annoying, and it's got a it's got a great classic ending. So I, th- I, th- I think it is very good. I just I don't know if I even like it more than you've got mail. Yeah, I, they, I think I think I'm supposed to because <laughs> I think people really like it. But I uh, I think it's really good. I rewatched uh, quite a bit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've seen the I've seen this movie uh, a few times, and it's. I think I think it works surprisingly well. I think you know we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the Oscar nominations later, but the original screenplay, yeah, uh, it's a great it's a great nom for Nora. I think it's really good. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a surprisingly uh, compelling movie. Yeah, I think uh, you know Tom Hanks is. I mean Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks, but like he's really good in it. He's incredible. It's, it's incredible. I, yeah, it's, I completely yeah. agree that the precocious child works surprisingly well. 
I don't know. About, uh, I don't know. Uh, you sound a I, little more enthusiastic than me. No, I, that, yeah. I, it's it's more because like I would really expect that to not work at all. Well, you you hate child actors. You hate children. So yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's a way to phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> I I I hate. You the, see a child uh, on screen, you go, "I hate you." I hate the precocious child in the movie. If you're no, going to tell no, me that no like these... prefers his children to be self-conscious on screen, to be sullen. If they're sad, that's a bonus. Just, he doesn't like them to be a little uppity. Yeah. If you, if you were to tell me in a vacuum that the inciting incident of this movie is that a child calls into a radio show on behalf of his father because he thinks that it's time that his father got a wife again. It sounds like a Disney channel original movie. Yeah. I would, I would, I would not want that movie at all. And yeah. so in that case, relative to my expectations, sure. I think the child works surprisingly sure. well. Did you rewatch Jerry Maguire at all? I no, I did not. Okay. I've, uh, yeah. But I am, uh, I am pretty familiar. Uh, I think it's been recent enough. Yeah, I had also rewatched Jerry Maguire during quarantine, so I was also pretty. I'm also just familiar with it. Yeah, uh, my vote here does go to Jerry Maguire. I think it's closer than you would think it is, Noah. But it is. I think Jerry Maguire has so much going for it, and uh, uh, if it goes through, I could talk about it more. But I, I do. It is going to Jerry Maguire. I think it's just everyone's great. Tom 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 Cruise is underratedly great in it. Like I know he was nominated for an Oscar, but. I don't think enough people talk about that as far as his filmography goes. And he sells the whole movie. Him and Renee Zellweger, the, their love scenes are shot incredibly well. It's, they're very sweet and sexy in it. And uh, it's, you know, it's so compelling. All the, the sports stuff is It's great all the way through. Yeah. It's, uh, it's possible that I, uh, I should have given uh, Jerry Maguire a little more due and rewatched it. Mm-hmm. My memory of Jerry Maguire is that I came out the other end being like, that was fine. Like I have no, I have no ill will towards that movie, but I don't, uh, and you know, like I, I obviously get the, uh, the big moments, why they're big. I get, you know, Tom Cruise is just a, is a movie star. I get why Cuba Gooding Jr. was a thing for a second. Yeah. Uh, Regina, but I, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll say what I was, saying. I was, re- I was really impressed with sleepless in Seattle. Uh, and that, uh, that will be getting my vote here. Um, the other person I want to mention was uh, 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 Regina King, who should be nominated for Best Director right now uh, for an Oscar, but uh, she's fantastic in it in the movie as a, a Cuba's wife. She's oh, great. Yeah. Um, no, mine's Jerry Maguire. Uh, Harder Road to Success, Noah. What do we f- look like here? I Well, this one's a... I wonder if this goes to Sleepless just because um, it was the first teaming of Ryan and Hanks, and it's uh, well, I no, I don't know if it goes to McGuire because it is a very unconventional thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think, yeah. I think I think really the tipping point here just has to be Hanks versus Cruz, like who's who's I, at a point in their career at this time. I agree. I feel you know. Big, okay, so let, let's think about this in terms of the movie, the type of movies, big. Made 180. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this was Cruz's first like romantic comedy. His first comedy of any kind. Sure. Um, Cameron Crowe wasn't a huge name at the time. You know, he clearly hadn't done uh, Almost Famous at that point. Um, that was after this. 
Renee Zellweger wasn't a name. It was really riding on Cruz's back. And I think that because this was a different type of film, it wasn't a political thriller. It wasn't based on a popular John Grisham novel. It wasn't an action movie. Um, I think that it performing just as well as those is a harder thing to do than, uh, you know, a, a well-reviewed romantic comedy starring Tom Hanks making uh, what you would kind of expect something like that to make, I guess. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that's a good point. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up Cruz's filmography here to just get to see exactly the run oh, he was yeah. on. So the run he was on was uh, interview. Of the vampire was a few, two years before, I think. Yeah. The year before was mission impossible. Mission impossible 96 as well. So mission impossible uh, had come out that summer. Yes, correct. I've got the uh, I've got the IMDb. Uh, the the firm was what 92? 93. 93. 92 was a few good men or is that also 93? That is correct. 92. Yeah. I So yeah, in the immediately preceding Jerry Maguire, we had Mission Impossible, Interview with the Vampire, The Firm and A Few Good Men. Right. So uh, the uh, Few Good Men made good money. The Firm was huge. Yeah. Again, but that, I mean, that was just, I, I give that almost as much credit to John Grisham, who was enormous at the time. And that was like his most popular book and like him and Cruz together was a big thing. Uh, Interview the Vampire didn't do as well as everyone wanted it to. And Mission Impossible was very successful. I just feel like this making as much as Mission Impossible is like wild. There's a different type of movie for him, different role. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think I, I'm going with McGuire here. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of being, I'm kind of being swayed. I do think that's a good argument, but just looking at this list and like in the, in the 10 years preceding Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise had been in Top Gun, The Color of Money, Cocktail, Rain Man, Born on the 4th of July, A Few Good Men, The Firm, Interview with the Vampire, and Mission Impossible, uh, plus a few other movies that I Mm -hmm. uh, declined to mention because they're far and away which is quite bad. Uh, and so I feel like when you, I feel like when you're on that kind of a 10 year run, like it is, it is true that hadn't done a, uh, hadn't done a romantic comedy or anything really resembling it in that run. Maybe, maybe kind of cocktail. I don't know. I haven't seen cocktail, No, but I'm getting, I also don't think cocktail was a big success either. I think, I think okay. that remains off the list. Okay. I check. Whereas Tom Hanks, you know, did have yeah. a cocktail made decent. It was 78 and 88. That's decent. Okay. Yeah. That's not, you know, not huge, but not nothing. Uh, Tom Hanks did have, uh, he had big, he had uh, a league of their own. Turner uh, and Hooch Joseph was pretty volcano, Turner and Hooch. Jover's volcano was not successful, but it was him and Ryan together. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was really big in a league of their own. Yeah. I, for, for me, I think it's just, I think it's a little too early on in Tom Hanks's career to not give sleepless in Seattle the nod here. Okay. So then where are we at? Uh, and you're, you're sticking with Jerry Maguire. Well, no, I you know what I want Jerry Maguire to go through, but I, I have to be honest that the cruise factor is bigger than I was trying to convince myself and you, and I can't do it. So it is sleepless and sleepless moves on. All right, I 
right? Well, I no, I've uh, I've got see I've got sleepless in Seattle winning uh, three nothing, and I have it but, at what? But you've got it uh, two, two one in favor of the Flyers, so this okay. could still uh, so, still end up. Legacy, legacy the movie, Noah. What, what are you thinking goes here? McGuire, 77 on Metacritic, five Oscar nominations. Picture, actor, original screenplay, it won Best Supporting Actor. I, I think it was also nominated for editing, possibly. Sleepless in Seattle was nominated for two Oscars, original score and – no, sorry, original song and original screenplay. Yeah. Um, this, this legacy of the movie in particular, I think I do have to give to Jerry Maguire. Uh, I think it's just got way too many uh, like high profile moments and quotes. You've got show me, show me the money. You've got, you had me at hello. You've got, you complete me. Yeah, it's got a huge. Uh, of quotes. I think that, I think that kind of presence on, uh, you know, all time, all time greatest quotes lists is really big. I don't think sleepless in Seattle quite has that. Does it have any quotes? No, I don't think so either. I uh, but even just like the like enduring like the the moments. No, I I, I, I do think Sleep in Seattle has a big uh, legacy. Yeah. I do think people really like it. But uh, I I agree. I think I think McGuire is is very much etched in the public consciousness. So then, uh, I I have McGuire winning. And you have sleepless winning. So now we go to the last category. Yeah. So now, now we're on broader legacy because you're at, you're actually tied here. It's two oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, yeah. uh, so the, the broader legacy. So I think a big thing for sleepless is it has the, the, the first successful pairing of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, which would become with only two movies, one of the definitive uh, romantic pairings in history. I agree. I think, uh, you know, when I, when I when we did the draft, I said there are there are two movies that when you when you say romantic comedy to me, is they are what I think of, and they are Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. And I'm checking now, but I think it was also Nora Ephron's. No, it was her second film that she directed. It was. Okay. All right, it was her second movie, but it was her first big. It made her like a known director. She had been a known writer for years, but it made her. Yeah. A known director, um, launched her directorial career. Jerry Maguire gave us Cuba for whatever that's worth. Um, uh, I didn't launch. I'm going to check. I didn't launch Regina King, but it certainly is a bright spot in her filmography. Um, the big get Noah, and now I'm looking up somebody else because the big get for Jerry Maguire is two time Academy Award winner. Renee Zellweger. This yeah, was her first. This was her first big movie. That's a, uh, a breakout role. She had been in Dazed and Confused, kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation, which nobody saw, Empire Records, and then and then movies you had never heard of. Uh, Reality Bites, people heard of, but I don't think she had a big role in it. And then this, and then it was off to the races for Renee Zellweger. Yeah, that's a that's a big one for sure. It's it's really tough when you're talking the main stars. I think. Because, like, where where do you slot Sleepless in Seattle or Jerry Maguire in in terms of the careers of Hanks and Cruz? I don't think it's. I don't think it launched. I, I don't think it launched Hanks. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it. No, I don't think it launched Hanks at all. But 
I just, I just mean you're, you're looking, you're looking back at a retrospective of their careers. Like where, where, where do these movies fall on the list in terms of importance? I think Jerry Maguire is probably higher up Tom Cruise's list mm. than Sleepless in Seattle is Tom Hanks's. I don't know if I agree, but I th- think I don't know if I agree with that. But, um, I'm gonna say I don't agree with that. Because okay. I, especially if we're looking at the '90s, I think Hanks has, you know, and this is in no particular order: Philadelphia, Toy Story, Forrest Gump, Toy Story Two, Saving Private Ryan, Apollo Three. Maybe not Apollo Thirteen, but those. Sorry, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Saving Private Ryan. I think are all higher than Sleepless in Seattle as far as importance. Yeah. Jerem, um, Tom Cruise has, you know. Maybe a few good men. The firm, I think, is just because it was enormous. Uh, Mission Impossible, and then I don't know. I don't know what else he did in the night. I don't think too yeah, much. No, so, so we're, shut, we're, maybe Mag, so you know, we're, Magnolia. We're agreeing then. That's what I'm saying. Is that Jerry Maguire is higher up on Tom Cruise's list than Sleepless in Seattle is oh, on Tom Then I guess you're right. I started that by trying by thinking that I had the opposite point and then I guess I have the same point. Yeah. So then yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. So in, I, in I'm sorry, in the nineties, I agree. I think overall we have a little talking area, but I think in the nineties that's true. Okay. I so yeah, and between that and Zellweger, I think I'm kind of inclined. Plus, you know, Jerry Maguire has uh, launched Cameron Crowe. Well, he had directed Say Anything. He wrote and directed that. Okay, sure. Uh, which was seven years before. But other than that, he did singles, which nobody saw. And then this. And yeah, then he went from this to Almost Famous. Yeah, it's 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 Jerry Maguire is certainly a very big part of Cameron Crowe's yeah, legacy. huge, huge. It's one of his top two movies. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, so I, going with Maguire? I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm going Maguire. All right. I'll go with Maguire too. I like it a lot. All right. So Jerry Maguire will take on pretty woman, which yes. is going to be very interesting in the, uh, in two weeks, the because three seed. There's some, uh, it does. I just want, I just want to make it. It does go to a tiebreaker and Jerry Maguire wins that by about. Oh, I'm sorry. I th- I'm just not keeping track. Uh, I feel like we've been recording for four hours. The, the, the three seed, there's something about Mary against the six seed Shakespeare in love. There's something about Mary released July 15th, 1998. It's opening weekend. $13 million. It opened on a Wednesday, so it made 18 from its five-day opening. Final gross, 176. Shakespeare in Love was released December 11th, 1998. Opening weekend, $7 million. Nine day over its four-day. This is probably an expansion. I guess I didn't put that in, but I suspected it opened in a few theaters at first. Sure. Final gross, like. $100 million. There's something about Mary Cost, $23 million to make. It grossed three seventy. million. That's profit of 1608 Shakespeare in Love cost a similar twenty five. It grossed two eighty nine. That's profit of one thousand one hundred fifty seven. So this is like coming in with, uh, you know, I don't know, like a straight. Yeah. And then the other person just has like a straight flush. You're like, oh, well, yeah. what the fuck? Even just a slightly higher straight. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Slightly higher straight. There's something about Mary takes game one. Noah, you hadn't seen either of these movies. Correct. I had not. That is. That is wild. I uh, I had seen this thing about Mary several times. Um, I started off by seeing it when I was a child, and then uh, the 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 testicle and the zipper scared me and my friends so much we had to turn it off. Sure, it's um, quite gross. 
I stopped going. No, the last time we were in a movie theater was March 13th, 2020. And, uh, and since then I've been keeping a record, as you know, of every movie I've watched since going to a movie theater. The third film I watched for the, uh, since that time was Shakespeare in Love, which was the first time I had seen it. Uh Um, and, uh, so I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about both. Why don't you tell them what you thought about saying about Mary? And then I'm curious about what you thought about Shakespeare in Love. I thought there's something about Mary was surprisingly good. Uh, mostly because I expected it to be really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially uh, relative to my tastes. I, I, ex- I expected to hate it, whether yes. or not it was going to be really bad, but it did not seem like the Fairley brothers are not really my jam. Uh, but I thought it worked surprisingly well. Uh, Cameron Diaz is very good in it. Uh, not one of Ben Stiller's more egregious roles. So I just, I don't, I don't get the Ben Stiller this, thing. This really had so many things going. It had, Ben Stiller, who you don't like, the Fairly Brothers, who you don't like, and just the idea that this kind of movie feels like it could immediately be disqualified for just political correctness. Just yeah, like this idea that we're, we're past this, we're past this kind of humor that this movie could have, and luckily for ninety percent of it, it doesn't. It's just, yeah, I think yeah. uh, the biggest shock of there's something about Mary is that it is not nearly as problematic as it should be. It's not nearly as problematic as it should be. And it's, it's overly sweet, which helps a lot, but it's just, it's not, you know, there's, there's a few, there's, there's one scene in particular where you and I just went, I don't think that plays now. Um, but the other thing, which is just played by somebody who's not of the, uh, the, you know, the, 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 whatever that the character is, um, you know, the, the character is never the butt of a joke. And so that's an interesting thing where you're like that, that shouldn't be played by, you know, someone who is not, who doesn't have that. But at the same time, it's a very sweet character is very central to the story. <laughs> and uh, it's very strange, but yeah, the, the movie is, is still very funny and yeah. just well put together. Yeah. I, uh, and then Shakespeare in love, I uh, famous controversial, Best picture winner. Yeah, really people think it won based on the uh the aggressive campaigning of a he who should not be named. Yes. So uh, not the villain from a Bucks Life, but another one. Yeah, very similar. Very similar times that they were successful and similar times that they were wiped from the earth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I this one doesn't get to re- release videos every Christmas. No, and we're all, I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if he did? So I was, I was not, I didn't care about the Oscars in 1998. But you had just watched Same Brave Ryan, which is very interesting. Yeah, that's true. And I think uh, the, the point I'm getting at it here is that this is, this is to me clearly an egregious best picture win. I think. Wow. Maybe egregious is a strong word, but. Like, I don't think Shakespeare in Love is a, like, best picture good. I think it's pretty good. I think really? it was enjoyable throughout. Uh, I think it's pr- I think it's not quite the same vacuum, but, like, if, if in 20 years someone was to just sit down and watch the King's speech without any real, like, okay. relevance or, a, like, relationship to the other movies, you'd think, like, oh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty solid drama. I liked that. People were good in it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I think Shakespeare in Love was good. Uh, I I do think 
that we might we might have kind of category fronted a little a little much with this one. I think it's a comedy. It's it's there's very funny scenes. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's true. It's just it, I, it plays like a Shakespeare comedy. That's what's so genius about it. Is it's, yeah, it's about Shakespeare writing a play, but the whole farce of it is that it plays like a Shakespeare comedy. I think I th- I think just when I think of a romantic comedy. Uh, Shakespeare in love is far is farther from my internal like definition of that I, movie. Yeah, I um, I can see uh, I can see. Well, it's not Sleepless in Seattle, which is apparently one of the movies you think of immediately. But uh, I also think the same can be said about something about Mary. Oh, I think that's I, mean? I think that's yeah. that's also true. I think this yeah. is uh, they're both yeah. not perfect fits here, but they're already even, in. Even though when you watch it, the thing about Mary is very much a romantic comedy. Yeah, it is all about love. It's very sweet, and you want them to get together at the end. It's 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 very very romantic. But, it's just a it's just a well, very different vibe. It's not but, romantic, but yeah. But I do I do think Shakespeare in Love is good. I don't think it's best picture good. I think comparing it to Saving Private Ryan, for instance, is there's Saving Private Ryan is like far and away the better movie. What did you think of Gwyneth? She won thought, Best Actress. I thought Gwyneth was good. Okay. Uh, I thought, especially than like Cameron Diaz, who was not nominated, but should have been. Not necessarily. I, uh, but like I, I thought I thought she was good. I thought she was. It was refreshing that so many of her scenes were also Joe Fine scenes because I like he didn't do it for me really, and I mm-hmm. I found that when you added her to the scenes, it went better. What about Judy Dench? Oscar-winning performance for about eight minutes of screen time. Did she win an Oscar for that's the case? It's yes. yeah, you have it right here. Supporting actress. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Let's see who I else do, was nominated. I do. I do really. I do really enjoy, like, all the the play, the sort of play performers just going to the palace to entertain the queen. Yeah. It kind of it kind of it kind of made me imagine like Joe Biden going to like Saturday Night Live and like tossing scraps of bread onto the stage <laughs> based on whether a sketch was good or not. Uh, uh, the other people nominated that year for Best Supporting Actress, Noah. Yeah. Um, you haven't seen any of the movies. Uh, yeah. I'd, so never you mind. Yeah, but still, like, I'm, I don't think so. Uh, now. What about what about Jeffrey Rush? He's a delight, I thought in this. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush is good. The last or, person I want to mention is Ben Affleck. How did we? Uh huh. I really surprised by how well I thought that worked. Okay. I thought I thought the decision for Ben Affleck to be like sort like like, like, like to play the whiny this, actor. Yeah. yeah, to play to play this actor, not just like a whiny actor, but kind of like like a big angry jock. Mm-hmm. Like the the big dramatic actor is sort of like the cool football player of Shakespeare's time. Right, I worked really well. A surprisingly decent, like generic British accent. I don't know about his British accent. It, it was like if Chucky Sullivan from Good Will Hunting was a British actor. Yeah, maybe I just it's so then. I really, really liked Shakespeare. I thought it was enchanting. I was swept up by it. I was like, this is, I really expected it to be garbage. And I was like, I really like this. Um, I think it all works. I think everybody works in it. I think it's just a, just a damn delight from start to finish. So I, I have to know now, which one are you picking for quality of movie? 
I I am picking Shakespeare in Love here. Okay, interesting. This was, uh, you know, there, there's something about Mary was the bigger surprise, mm-hmm. but I still, I do still think Shakespeare in Love was like was was really enjoyable, just not not sort of relative to where the universe might consider it, you know. All right, harder road to success. We're tied one one. Um, I think this might go to there's something about Mary. I think it overperformed so greatly, and Shakespeare in Love performed like an Oscar winner that connects with audiences. Sure, I think you know that's I mean? right. I think especially, that, I think that, especially, and hear me out. I want to know what you think about this. The year after Titanic, this is another epic, not epic in scale, but just another passionate love story sure. between two young twenty-somethings. Uh, I think clearly trying to capitalize on that idea of come see the Oscar-winning kissing movie, right? Uh, in just a weird term. Um, so I think that they're saying about Mary grossing 176 is is quite astounding for that kind of thing. I think that's right, especially when you compare it to the other uh, the other grosses in this category. Like that's a really hard number to hit. Apparently, um, so that's two uh, one Correct. for the thing about Mary. Impact upon not impact upon release legacy of the film itself. The thing about Mary was the number three film in ninety eight, sixty nine on Metacritic, Shakespeare in Love eighty seven on Metacritic, and thirteen goddamn Oscar nominations. No jerky. Yes. Best director, supporting actor for Jeffrey Rush. Uh, seven Oscar wins, picture, actress, supporting actress, and original screenplay. So what do we think about uh, here? Is it the one that people talk about for uh, not winning, for changing how movies are marketed at the Oscars forever and for always, uh, um, and not deservedly winning Best Picture? Or is it the gross-out comedy that became a smash um, that – you look back now and you're like, is that, was that a good idea? But you watch it and it is, I don't know. Well, how do you feel? I, I think it's kind of be Shakespeare in love. Like mm. I think even, even with its Oscar success, kind of being a, one of the hallmark stories of like, this is best. This is what we're doing here. This is what the Oscars think is like the greatest movie of the year. Right. Uh, it's still 13 nominations, seven wins. And, you know, four of those are big wins. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't, I cannot overlook the award success there. Uh, I think I'm going to go with this thing about Mary here. I think that it was a huge deal then. um, And I do think people still look at it as one of the funnier movies of the nineties. And I, I just think that Shakespeare in love has a more negative reputation, which I don't think it deserves. Sure. Legacy of the Participants. So, you know, it's the Gwyneth Paltrow v. Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz obviously already had been in The Mask. That was her big breakout. But this was the big break for her uh, as a leading actress. And also Ben Stiller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. uh... I'm trying to think if Ben Stiller had another thing. And I don't think he had anything certainly as big as this uh, at the time. And so. I think that that also probably goes to Mary. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's particularly tough that Shakespeare in Love stars Joseph Fiennes. Yeah, just because, like, he didn't. He he's, didn't. he's obviously still a working actor. He's, uh, you know, Mister uh, Handmaid's Tale at present. Oh, sure, he's in that. Sure. I, I would never have gotten that. So good on you. Oh, that was that. That just happened when I when I looked him up. Oh, okay. Like, it's, kind of, 
whatever happened to this guy? This is a this is a real unfortunate star of this huge Oscar winning. Yeah, movie. he was in, you know he tried to be something. He was an enemy at the, at the gates with uh, Jude Law and Rachel Weisz. Shortly after this, he tried to okay. be something that just didn't work. Uh, yeah, as far as uh, as far as Ben Stiller goes, no, not really. Uh, ben Stiller wasn't really in anything before this. No, I mean, like he's in he's in things you'll recognize. He was on a lot of TV. He was in Heavyweights. He's in the Cable uh, Guy. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think uh, I think this was this was definitely a very big part of his career at that time. So yeah, I think you got to go. I think you got to go. There's something I about Mary. Something about Mary, and there's something about Mary advances, correct? Yes, it does. All right, let's see what uh, we'll go up against or something about Mary. Is it the two seed, my best friend's wedding, or the seven seed, you've got mail? My best friend's wedding released June twentieth, nineteen ninety seven. It's opening weekend, twenty one million dollars. Found up gross, one hundred twenty seven. You've Got Mail was released December 18th, 1998. Opening weekend, $18 million. Final gross, 115 My Best Friend's Wedding had a budget of $38 million. Final gross of 299 That's a profit of $787. you have Got Mail had a budget of 65 a profit of 250 That's a budget. That's a profit. God. <laughs> 65 gross of 250 That is a profit of 386 The rest of those numbers don't matter. My Best Friend's Wedding takes game one yes it does jesus christ you had never seen my best friend's wedding correct uh, before a few nights ago what did you what did you think and who gets your vote here uh i thought my best friend's wedding was quite good uh like i said earlier really plays to julia roberts strengths a lot better i uh, mm-hmm. i understand uh, i understand why you like it so much uh camera diaz is also really good in it uh and the uh, I've forgotten the actor Rupert uh, Everett. Rupert Everett, yes, as her uh, her gay best friend. Yeah, but sort of a a different brand of gay best friend than you often get. Uh, really good, really he's, fun. He's terrific. He should be should have been nominated for an Oscar for this. Yeah. Uh, but then we also uh, we also did rewatch You've Got Mail uh, over the summer. Year, yeah. I. Yeah. Uh, and when I. I, I think even between you've got mail and sleepless in Seattle, when I, when I think romantic comedy, I think you've got mail. Uh, I think it's, I think it's really good. Like you said, uh, Hanks and Meg Ryan aren't together for very much of sleepless in Seattle, but they really do get, to, they really do get to play off each other for all of you've got mail. Uh, and that one gets my vote here. I think it's just kind of quintessential, uh, what I'm looking for in a rom-com. Um, I'm go. I, I love you've got mail. Saw it in theaters. Um, really like it. I think that they're both great in it. I think it, it is a quintessential romantic comedy. I do think my best friend's wedding is one of the better made, written, performed, and directed romantic comedies uh, in recent history, if not in all of history. That well, that's a bit much, but recent history certainly. I think it's terrific and uh, it's unconventional and it doesn't go the way you think and it's surprising and it's great. And so I pick uh, my best friend's wedding. All right. Um, harder road to success. I, you know, I, I think this might be the case where we just give it to the lower grossing one. Cause it's, I mean, the pedigree for both is huge. Yeah. This, it, uh, this I will say that I, I was listening. I watched the Siskel and Ebert review of my best friend's wedding. And they said that it was Julie Roberts return to the romantic comedy genre. So I wondering if she hadn't been in one since pretty woman, Noah. That's interesting. In which case, it might be that because it was. But then again, 
it was it, i think it was probably tom hanks's uh uh first romantic comedy since sleepless in seattle in the 90s he didn't do too many of those i, would, uh, I, I would imagine that's so the case. again I, th- I think we're back to square one i just confirming with uh, julia roberts here i god where the hell yeah, she did Pretty Woman in 1990, and yeah. then if if, uh, if if can you read them to me? I'll I, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll just know by title whether they're it. Actually, you know what? I got it in front of me. Hold on. Okay. Um, sleeping Flatliners. No, Sleeping with the Enemy. No, Dying Young. Can't imagine. It's a romance movie, but it's called Dying Young. Hook. No, The Player. She's a cameo. Pelican Brief. We watched. No, I Love Trouble. Oh, that says it was a romantic crime film. So I don't know what that is. Uh, something to talk about sounds like a romantic comedy. That's a comedy drama. It says Mary Riley was a, a period film. Michael Collins also a period film. Everyone says I love you is Woody Allen. So I, I mean, it was a, a return to mainstream, I guess. I just, I feel like if we have these pedigrees, it might be the same as we had the other time, which is just, you know, my best friend's wedding made more. So it had the harder road to make that much because you've got mail probably should have grossed. More. I don't know. I, I I really don't know. Yeah, I think I think that I think that's I think that's, uh, I think that's a, as good a tiebreaker as any because yeah. you're t- you're talking uh, some of the some of the biggest uh, stars you had going right then. And I I also I know also just as well at pretty much the same time. Yeah, and I think I'll seal the deal here. It was Nora Ephron also. It was a complete reteaming of Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. And Tom Hanks was just a much bigger star than he was in 93. So, yeah, I think I'm going to give it to my best friend's wedding. I will uh, I will do so as well. You've got mail hanging on by a thread here. Well, let's get into the legacy of the movie. I think that my best friend's wedding is having a huge resurgence right now. Uh, 50% on Metacritic, which sounds insane. One Oscar nomination. I'm guessing it's for score, for comedy. And you've got mail 57 on Metacritic. So, again, I have no idea. I mean... Uh, I don't know. What what do you think? I, uh, I'll make the argument for you've got mail here. Okay. Uh, in that when you think of like, when you think of romantic comedies and you think of Julia Roberts, uh, I think you're, I think you go to pretty woman first, obviously not as like her best one, but I yeah. think that, no, that's yeah. just obviously her, her iconic rom-com. I, and she is one of the icons of the genre. Mm-hmm. I think Meg Ryan is a kind of equally an icon of romantic comedies. Maybe not. Maybe not. She is certainly the very next tier. She's certainly the very yes. Yeah. She's right with, below with, her mm-hmm. within 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 the genre. I think. Yes. That's, I think that's fair. Uh, and I think you've got male might be like top of the pile for her. Right. Uh, whereas my best friend's wedding, I don't know. Is it you've got mail or is it sleepless? Not, and this, and I, I which guess one are they more known for? I, I I feel like the reputation for sleepless is bigger. Yeah, it did. It, did it have has the, the higher Metacritic. It's got, got the Oscar nom. I think it's just more looked upon. You know, this got mixed reviews when it came. I just, but you know, my best friend's what I, I I feel like if if we were to have people say what their favorite or what their what what comes to mind i think that yeah. even with my best friend's wedding i think uh notting hill is going to be said more than my best friend's wedding yeah i uh, 
So I, I wonder if it is. I don't know. You've got mail was coming off of the AOL thing. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think it. I, th- I think it, I think it's incredibly close. I also think it's true that best case scenario for you've got mail is that it ends in a tie, and then my best friend's wedding wins on the yeah, tiebreaker. So let's true. put it out of its misery. And I'm I'm um, I'm also not giving the other one to you've got mail because there's nobody in it that benefits from it, and yeah. Rupert Everett will always have my best friend's wedding, and also it was Cameron Diaz's second major film work uh, leading into. Uh, there's something about Mary. So I think that it's huge for her career as well. So, so we'll go, uh, we'll go best friend there. All right. So then our matchups uh, in two weeks, the one seed pretty woman, Julie Roberts is still alive here, folks. Pretty woman. will take on Jerry Maguire and Noah Diaz V Diaz. There's something about Mary. will take on my best friend's wedding um, for a shot. Will, will in two weeks, we'll find out. Will it be, uh, uh, will it end up for the title of this division, Julia Roberts against Julia Roberts, or Julia Roberts against her uh, uh, my best friend's winning co-star? Who's to say? And maybe Jerry Maguire wins. We'll see. Um, our final uh, division of the evening, the Justin Lin division. Here are the sequels: the one seed Terminator Two Judgment Day against the. There's so many long titles here, Noah. The eight seed, Home Alone 2, Escape from New York. The four seed, The Lost World Jurassic Park, takes on the five seed, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Thank God Toy Story 2 exists because it's short. That's the three seed taking on the six seed, Die Hard with a Vengeance. The second seed, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, will take on against the seventh seed, brilliantly titled Batman Returns. All right. Terminator 2 Judgment Day was released July 3rd, 1991. It's opening weekend, $31 million, five day of 52. Final gross, 204. Home Alone 2 Lost in New York was released November 20th, 1992. Opening weekend, 31. Final gross, 173. Terminator 2 Judgment Day had a budget of $102 million, one of the biggest budgeted films of all time at the time. It grossed 517. That's profit of 507. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, had a budget of 28 million. It's grossed 359, a profit of 1,281%. That is huge. Game one goes to Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Yeah, that's it. It's going to be a big Which, win as far as I'm concerned, is a point for Trump. And I it sickens me. All right. That's fair. All right. Uh, I didn't, I, I, I rewatched home alone, the home alones over the Christmas break uh-huh. while I was, uh, <laughs> not doing great as it turned out. Um, uh, and they're fine. They're both fine. They're both good. I like them both, whatever, but Terminator two is Terminator two. I got, I got to give it to that for quality. Yes. One of the iconic sequels, action yeah. movies, etc. It, yeah. it gets that point. Harder Road to Success. Uh, I mean, it's easily Terminator 2 because the first one made like $30 million. This made 204. And granted, the budget was bigger. Um, Cameron was coming off Aliens, which I don't know how much credit audiences gave him. You know what I mean? Like they were like, wow, he also directed this. But sure. that had something. And it was also just marketed as the biggest movie. But I think that when you're coming off of Home Alone making $280 million, and again, we could put it into the fact that it didn't gross nearly as much as the first one, but uh, I think this definitely goes to Terminator Two. I think that's right. I don't think yeah. you have to you have to qualify it too much with that big a jump for a sequel. Uh, the legacy of the film. Uh, Terminator Two was the number one film of 1991, our birth year, 
Number three film worldwide, 75 on Metacritic, six Oscar nominations, four wins. Home Alone 2 Lost in New York was the number two film of 1992. 46 on Metacritic. Terminator 2. We're done. Yeah. This is it's one of the most. No, it's not sweet, but. No. It's one of the most beloved just movies, I think. Revolutionary. We'll talk about all that as the weeks progress. Yeah. Uh, the four seed, the Lost World Jurassic Park, will take on the five seed, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Very interested in this matchup. Well, no, I'm not. I think this is a wash. Uh, Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, I do like that it's called the Lost World Jurassic Park. I like that it's flipped. I like that they tried something. I don't know that it worked. It works for me. Maybe it's because I've said it for, you know, 23 years, but it works for me. Released May 23rd, 1997. Opening weekend, $72 million, a $92 million four-day. Final gross, 229 Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shacked Me, was released July 11th, 1999. June 11th, sorry, 1999. Opening weekend, $55 million. Final gross of 206. The Lost World Jurassic Park cost $73 million to make it. Grossed $618. That's a profit of $847. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, cost $33 million, and it grossed $312. That's a profit of $945.1 goes to Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Quality of movie. You didn't rewatch either of these, right, for this? No, I uh, didn't need to. Austin Powers 2 is good, and The Lost World Jurassic Park is bad. I think they're both. I, I don't. I, I've never been on the camp that the Lost World is bad. Maybe I need to see it again. Who knows? But uh, I definitely think Austin Powers, which I think might be my weakest of the three Austin Powers movies, um, just for personal preference, uh, is still okay. better. And so I give it to uh, Austin Powers as well. Up two zero and harder road to success. One. 100 billion percent Austin Powers. And it's the kind of thing where I don't think Austin Austin Powers might win this almost every time. The first one made $50 million, Noah. Yeah. And this one grossed two oh. This one outgrossed the first one in, in its opening weekend and grossed 206 domestically. Done. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a hell of a case. The Lost World, by comparison, had uh, quite the pedigree. And yes. Sorry to the Lost World. It goes down. A very interesting matchup for two weeks from now, though. The one seed, Terminator 2. Again, all the one seeds have survived. How about that? Yeah. Against the five seed, finally, I think. A five uh, five seed moves on. Um, Yeah, because Jerry Maguire won last time. Austin Powers. All right. The the three seed, Toy Story 2, against the six seed, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, uh, Toy Story 2. Boy, it's weird how Toy Story 2 sounds a lot like Terminator 2 when you're about to say it. Uh, came out November 19th, 1999. I, by the way, we have like three of these movies are 1999s. Just throwing that out there. Oh yeah. Big year for sequels. Big year for sequels. Yeah. Um, opening weekend, $57 million. It grossed 80 million over its five day expansion. A final gross of 246 domestic. Die Hard with a Vengeance opened May 19th, 1995. Opening weekend, $22 million. A final gross of 100 million. Toy Story 2 cost 90 to make. It grossed 487. That's a profit of 541. And Die Hard had a budget of 90. And it grossed 366. That's a profit of 406. Game one goes to Toy Story 2. Um, that's a that's a good that's a good win when you're only sitting at 541. It is. It's a good win. Quality of movie, no, you're a big fan of Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, yes. What are you doing here? I I think in this case, uh, much like your vote for the Prince of Egypt, uh, 
I don't expect Die Hard 3 to have uh, a lot of bona fides in this matchup. And I really like it. And Toy Story 2 is... Uh, I, I'll have to double check with Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 4 to see if it's like my least favorite of all of them. But I think it's... Uh, I am noticeably less fond of it than 1 and 3, at least. Uh, and so I am going to uh, go with my heart and give Die Hard uh, with a Vengeance the vote here. I think it's... Uh, I think it's incredibly fun. Uh, I think Bruce Willis is great in it. Samuel L. Jackson is great in the, uh, you know, the sort of every man thrown into yeah. the situation role. I truly think that Jeremy Irons was inspired casting mm-hmm. as the, uh, the brother of one of the iconic action movie villains and really just one of the iconic villains. Uh, and there's just a lot, there's a lot of great scenes in Die Hard with a Vengeance and I'd love the movie. And so I'm, I am giving it my vote. Um, I'm giving it to Toy Story 2. Harder Road to Success, I think it's Toy Story. It overperformed the other one. Die Hard 3 made less than the other Die Hards. I think Die Hard 2 grossed more. I think it's second of the three. I looked this up earlier. Uh, But it's, it's not... It's not notable, like, sure. wow, Die Hard with a Vengeance really uh, surges past the rest of the franchise or anything. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's right. Toy Story 2 had a, a huge mountain to climb to get to 246 and, like, probably w- was the moment that Pixar became, like, officially mm-hmm. a capital yeah. letters big deal. Absolutely. But because it's next one movie, yet. its next movie wasn't for two years and it was Monsters, Inc. And then we were off to yeah. the races. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think um, Toy, Story, Toy Story 2 gets that. Uh, Legacy of the film, Toy Story 2, number three film in 1999, 88 on Metacritic and Oscar nomination, Die Hard with a Vengeance, 58 on Metacritic. I mean, this is also, Toy Story takes both of these. It's It certainly does. Yeah. We'll, we'll only award the first one because uh, yeah. that wins it for Toy Story 2. But yeah, it's a it's a huge part of the success of uh, the one of the biggest film studios just it also has the famous story where uh, for most of its development it was going to be straight to video it, i don't know that i knew that oh yeah that's, that's they're, they're planning that for until like i don't know when but for most of the production yeah and then they were like oh wait <laughs> this is great i uh, i feel good about my uh going with my heart for quality but toy story 2 with and that one oscar nomination was for song no do you know what song no it's the saddest part in any pixar movie some say i don't think that's true when she loved me do do the jesse song yeah okay that that makes sense when somebody loves you yeah that whole thing yeah um all right, let's find out what's facing off against Toy Story 2. Will it be the only non-sequel in our group, Noah? The two-seed Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, well, it's a prequel. <laughs> okay. Just, it's a prequel. It's not a sequel. Saying, that's a, that's a, pretty, uh, it's a pretty fundamental quality that all these movies have to share. And yet it's not. Do you think we should eliminate it? No, I, I think we should not refer to it as a non-sequel in the okay. sequels division. I'm just saying, so whoever someone can make a case. Uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, or the seven seat Batman Returns. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. 
Came out November uh, May nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Opening weekend sixty four million over the three day one hundred five for a five day opening. Grossed four thirty one domestically. Batman Returns opened June nineteenth, nineteen ninety two. Opening weekend forty seven million. Final gross one sixty two. Star Wars cost one hundred fifteen million uh, to make. It grossed nine twenty four worldwide. That's profit of eight hundred four. Batman cost eighty. It grows two sixty seven. That's a three thirty three percent profit. Game one goes to Star Wars. Did you rewatch uh, Batman Returns? You watched part of it. I did. No, I, I I watched Batman Returns. Okay, I haven't seen it in years, but I know it's better than Episode One. So I'll go. It is Episode quality, One sucks. Quality over two. Uh, Batman Returns. We're tied one one. Harder road to success. Boy, oh boy, do each of the, I think it might be Star Wars for overperforming because Batman Returns earned less than Batman, which was a well-liked hit and the highest grossing opening weekend in history. Yeah. The first the first one and also this one, but the first one was. And Star Wars, it did have a mountain of anticipation. I, I'll give you that. Yeah, but, but... But 431 was pretty wild uh, at the time. I don't know. Maybe it is Batman Returns, but I think coming two years... Or sorry, three years after Batman is uh, with the same cast, is same director is yeah, pretty gold. I think there was I think there was no way to know for sure that like Star Wars was still the huge sensation that it was. That's true. They 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 did re release the original trilogy, and those Uh made a lot of money in theaters. The special editions, yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, to this degree, because it, it became the highest. Yeah, exactly. Star Wars movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think everyone probably knew that Star Wars Episode One is going to make one hundred and fifty million dollars, give or take. Uh, that's that was probably a pretty safe bet. But to come out with the first one out the gate, make yeah. four hundred and thirty-one. Uh, really good. Really, yeah. really, really excited for the prospects of star Wars episode 10 in 15 ish years. Oh no, they say they're done. Um, saying the first, the first movie of these revivals is sure. does really well. That's, that's absolutely true. That's a, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, uh, star Wars takes it. So we're up two one. Yes. Legacy of the movie itself. Well, episode one, number one film in 1999, number four film of all time, number two film worldwide, 51 on Metacritic, three Oscar nominations. Batman Returns was the number three film in 1992. It had the number one opening weekend of all time, 68 on Metacritic, and two Oscar nominations. I think that while Star Wars was easily the bigger deal when it was released, I think that Batman Returns is seen upon as the best of the 90s Batman movies. And um, one of the better superhero sequels. I think its reputation has only increased as it's gone on. Whereas Star Wars, it's been the opposite. I uh, I think that might that might be true in some circles, but I I think that the original Batman is I think has the uh, has the bigger legacy in terms. I just I think that's probably the one people think of more than Batman Returns. I don't know. Returns had Catwoman. It had Penguin. I mean, it was. Uh, it, it's, yeah, but it's, it's, none it's, of those it's, things are Nicholson's Joker. I think Catwoman is pretty close to Nicholson. I think Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is very close to Nicholson's Joker, as Maybe. far as as far as uh, impact upon the culture. Um, I also think that uh, it, it's it's the darker, grittier sequel, which it didn't invent, but is certainly to the umpteenth degree, sure. uh, where it's just a different tone of a movie. Than the first one, uh, which we've seen copied in almost every single 
except for maybe Spider-Man 2, almost every single superhero movie franchise. Um, I, I, I'm giving it to Batman Returns. I think Batman Returns is huge among uh, audiences now. What uh, What do you say to the sort of growing, uh, as far as I'm concerned, inexplicable phenomenon uh, that the prequels are good and they are. Late. I think that I think that most of that chatter um, trips down to episode two or episode three. I, th- I think people are more like, you know, Attack of the Clones is actually pretty decent. I, I don't know how much it goes into the first one. I think I think it, I think it does. I think it goes to all of them. And like, I don't get it for any of them, especially two. That's the worst one. But uh, I don't I'm, know. And that, that could, that could just be like, I spend too much time on Twitter. Sure. Uh, so I'll, I, I'll go, I'll go returns here. I won't overthink this too much. Uh, so where are we at now? Tied? Tied. Two, two. All right. Game, game breaking. Uh... Ooh, very windy. My house creaked. Um, <laughs> You heard that, yeah. Uh, Tie-breaking game, yes. The Big legacy broader. of the participants. So, you know, George Lucas already has this. There's nothing to do with anything. Um, the, uh, famously, the 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 child actor was uh, cruelly bullied out of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, Hugh and McGregor was a, this is certainly a big launching pad for him. But both him and Natalie Portman were in things before this. Uh, I. Transpotting, the professional, Liam Neeson yeah. at Schindler's List. Yeah, but it's it's so not on. it's not just about these things being like launching pads for careers, though. I think playing Obi Wan is going to turn out when it's all said and done to be a very big part of Ewan McGregor's career. It's still I think, going. I agree. I think the same. Not the still going, but I think the Catwoman thing is just up there with Pfeiffer as well. She had been in stuff, Fabulous Baker Boys, maybe had an Oscar at this point. I don't know if she's ever won, but certainly nominated. Um, I don't think she's ever won. Yeah. But uh, I think that she's the most iconic portrayal, uh, you know, give or take Eartha Kit, but the most iconic portrayal of that character. Um, I think that's definitely true. And uh, I think that the two Batman movies, and I think this is equally important in those two regards, are huge for Val Kilmer and Tim Burton. But this was the one Keaton, where Burton got to do Keaton, yeah. Um, Burton got to do whatever he wanted with this one. But uh, I don't know. I, I I just feel like Hugh McGregor has made enough of a name for himself, and so has Natalie Portman. Where like the, the you know oh you were in Star Wars, but like I I don't I, know. I I, th- I think you're I think you're really downplaying. Uh, McGregor as Obi-Wan. I think you're right about Natalie Portman. I don't think uh, her role as Padme is going to be a big deal when all is said and done. I already think it's not a big deal. I think she's she is she is fully defined uh, both like critically and just culturally. I have two questions. Many other roles. Yes. Do you think uh, that these are my two questions? Do you think that when Natalie Portman was a guest on Top Chef? she talked to Padma about how she played Padme and her name was Padma. And my second question is why not? I, well, she didn't do it because Padma brought it up first. Okay. I, because I think that's something that a non-actor says to an actor, like, you know, you played Padme. (laughs) I'm Padma. 
It's like when my and mom the would tell me, was like, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like when my mom would tell me, you should write to Roger Ebert. Do you love movies? You want to be a critic? And you have the same birthday. I mean, it's yeah. you're in. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. as if like that was the smooth icebreaker. It'd be like I get I get so many of these letters. Let's see, I'm a young critic. I mean, I'm a young critic born on June 18th. Oh, <laughs> oh damn! Well, here are the keys to my kingdom. Um, all right, so yeah, I, are 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 you going with episode one? I, for sure. I don't I don't know that I am. I just I okay. I'm just trying to emphasize that I think I think Obi Wan is a very big part of. Ewan McGregor's career. I think so. I think it's going to be more so when the show comes out. By the way, did you see the cast list for that? I did. A lot of people in that show. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd really, um, I'd really like the legacy of these prequels to go away. But happy for all, <laughs> happy for all those actors. O'Shea Jackson Jr. getting a Disney check. Love it. Yeah. Uh, plus many others. He's just the first. Benny Softies going to finance a bunch of his other movies. Yeah. Congratulations to him. Um, I, I do think it's ultimately probably true that multiple people in like Batman returns is very important to the legacy of multiple people. Keaton Pfeiffer Burton. uh, I think episode one is really only particularly positive for you and McGregor. I don't think I don't think it really charts for Liam Neeson. Is there also something to say? Is there also something to say that you know, if we take these as a package, yeah, Batman and Batman Returns, and then the three prequels. That this is one part of it, as opposed to Returns is two thirds, as opposed to a third. Two, I'm sorry, a half as opposed to a third of a, of a franchise, which kind of leads into the legacy. You know what I mean? We're like, I, it's episode one, but it's also episode two, and it's also episode three of him playing the same character. Whereas Pfeiffer only has one, and Keaton only has two at playing Batman, and those are such a big part of their career. Is there something to, to be said for that? The fact that there's three means that the impact of its legacy is just less so because it shares it with two other things. They're the same there might be something uh, there. I think. I think I am ultimately voting for Batman anyway, though, just okay. because it has more. It has more people, and I think Episode One really just says you and. I'm also voting for Batman because I think that it's correct and uh, more. I think even more so that it deserves to continue this competition. Yeah, as far as a legacy in the '90s. So I'm going to go with Batman Returns. So there we have it. Uh, Terminator, the one seed against Austin Powers by Shagmi, the fifth seed, and. Toy Story 2, the three seed against Batman Returns, the seventh seed. Incredible. We did it. We've narrowed these down. Um, and uh, and that's it. I have to take a break. I just have to. And I think we will. This edition of Multiplex Madness Forever is brought to you by Shrek Forever After. <clears throat> it's time to play everybody's latest favorite game. Did I don't recall more, exactly more, what it's called. Shrek Forever After's opening weekend? <laughs> we all know how to play. I'll name a movie and you tell me whether it's total gross was more or less than Shrek Forever After's opening weekend. For a bonus point, you can choose either to name the movie's director or an unspecified number of cast members chosen by me. Are you ready to play? Yes. All right. Uh, I'm a little worried you're going to get all three of these directors uh, out of hand. So here we go. Your first film is RV. 
Less. RV grossed more than Shrek Forever After's opening weekend. I do uh, know thanks, the director. Thanks in no small part to me. Uh, I saw RV in theaters several times. Yeah, with me at least once. Yeah. I, we may have just gone twice, actually. Because I also I, saw it a couple times. So I, we liked RV. Any, yeah, for any inexplicable reason, really enjoyed RV. <laughs> Nothing wrong with RV. Uh, I'm wor- I know the director, but I'm thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna save my cast for life. It's Barry Levinson. No, it is not. What? It is Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh, that's who I meant. Whatever. Fine. Fine. <laughs> that's who I meant. No, actually, I think I did mean Barry Levinson, and I just I mixed them up. Okay. okay. Uh, well, the how many would you have given me for the cast? Uh, I would have given you three because oh. <laughs> Rob mm. Williams, Cheryl Hines, uh, Josh Hutchinson. Yes. Who was Dan Aykroyd like the boss? I uh, not that I can tell who, unless who, he's who played the boss that he was going to go see, and who played the daughter? Oh, the boss would probably be Jeff Daniels. Uh, and the daughter was played by Jojo. Of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. So we featured, also featured Kristen Chenoweth, Will Arnett, and Tony Hale. Uh, so off to a rough start, but let's move on to our second film. I think Jeff Daniels and Kristen Chenoweth were like the, a couple that they met yeah. on the road. Okay. So, so maybe not the boss then. Might have been, I don't know. All right. Uh, who, what's, what's next? Uh, our second film is the Oscar-winning Ray. Less. Ray grossed more God than Shrek it. Forever After's right, Shrek Forever After is definitely in the 60s, then, because both those movies are 70s. I don't think Ray is very high in the 70s. All right. Fine. Okay. Oh, fuck. Director Taylor Hackford. Correct. Yeah. Taylor Hackford. I don't know who I would have gotten. I don't know. I really don't know who else was in Ray. That's actually, good. I would have given you four. The, what? Four? There's a lot of recognizable names. Oh my god! And I've never seen Ray. I don't know how big of a part they play. Not very for me. And I mean, it's you get that you get one uh, you get one freebie. You should probably watch Ray at some point. Probably. Yeah. Your final film, Black Mass. Mm, who directed Black Mass? Uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll go cast because I, I, it's not coming to me right away. Well, uh, first, uh, did it oh. make more or less than Shrek Forever After's opening weekend? Less. That is correct. Good. Uh, and you're going cast. Uh, now this is a long movie. There's a lot of recognizable oh, names. Stop it. In Black Mass. Uh, see, now I'm worried I've gone too high. Uh, Sounds like you did. All right, well, I'll... Uh, it's I'll, fine, I'll, whatever you want. No, I'll dial it back one and uh, ask you for five cast members. You know, <laughs> There I really... are no less than 13 okay, recognizable names. All, right, all right, all right, all right. Juno Temple... Starting with Juno Temple. I'm yes, starting correct. with the ones that are not. You did this last time. I'm starting with the ones that are not immediately familiar with. Yeah, okay. To get them out of the way. Dakota Johnson. Yes. Jesse Plemons. Yes. 
Uh, oh, fuck. Is Edgerton in it? Shit. Is, um, is Chandler in it? Kyle Chandler? Uh, not, not Chandler Ping. <laughs> I, I figured. I will go to the broader. Oh, you're not even sure. I don't think he is then. Cast page, but I've, I haven't answered. Th- I haven't answered that yet. So John, uh, great. Then I'll keep going. Johnny Depp. Yes, uh, you're at. You're at. You're at four. I'm gonna say Joel Edgerton. You're locking in Edgerton. Uh huh. Can we play the brother? Edgerton uh, is in it. He did okay. not play the brother. How, how how many is that? That's five. So, so I did it. Yes, you did it. Was stuck with Kyle my Ch- six. Was Kyle Chandler in it? No, be he sick. is not. Shit, who played the brother? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, right. Uh, you could also have listed Kevin Bacon, mm. Peter Sarsgaard. I was thinking about Bacon, and I didn't, I didn't say it. Huh. David Harbour, Adam Scott, Corey Stoll, Bill Camp, and uh, everyone's favorite actor, W. Earl Brown. Get out of... Stop. <laughs> get off my TV screen, W. Earl Brown. Never, did you recognize him in the one scene in uh, Deep Impact? Driving that truck? Oh, God. I, I completely forgot you said that that was W. Earl Brown, and I did not recognize yeah, that's him. That's when I screamed at my television, get off my TV! You're it's enough of you. You're right. He's very prominent. So that's three points for uh, this edition. Of multiplex madness for do, you know do you know how silly that that scene is though when they're both driving and then they both drop something and then his car goes off the road and then it like explodes right away it's it's quite the explosion <laughs> <laughs> all made right me, made me rethink my uh, grounded movie analysis but <laughs> i also like that they had extra nukes oh sure well you gotta come use, with extra nukes. no use all of them <laughs> There's no, like, extra. We need this to work. Why? Why, like, well, it might explode it. It might be a little much. Like, no, destroy this thing. That was exactly why they had extra. Oh, it's just, now that I think about that, that's insane. Like, only use four. Do not use five. It's crazy. Anyway. And we're back. Come and gone from a theater near you. Brian, are you ready to go back in time? Yeah. We are visiting week 13 of the year 2015. This is March 27th, the very end of March. Uh, <laughs> there are two films. Peabody and Mr. Sherman. Stop guessing that. <laughs> <laughs> the Croods! The Croods! No. Oh my god, I was so sure it was the... actually not a thing, but I think the cruise was like 2012. Um, was it an animated film? I one of them was, yes. Well, it Zootopia, no, yeah, no, no, no. All right, so I'm guessing it's not Disney. So then I'm guessing it's Dream... Uh, Rio? No. Rio 2. No. Rango. No. No R's. Okay. <laughs> no R's. 
Well, it's not Ratatouille. That came out in June. And <laughs> features an R pretty prominently. It's not... I can't think of another R animated no. movie. I saw you reaching for it. Yeah, I really couldn't do this it. Is a, uh, this is a movie that has been discussed quite often on this very podcast. It's not Shrek Forever After. It's not The Box. It's not Blues Brothers 2000. There's two left. I guess, no, there's four left. (laughs) There's four ad things that we've done left? Yeah. Okay. It's not uh, my 2000 movie. I don't think. What was my 2000 movie? I have no idea. Oh, so it is my 2000 movie. No, I, I have no, it's not. Didn't I, didn't I do one or did I not do one? No, no, it was that was all uh, Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, we just switched off. But no, which one did we switch off on? No. I. <laughs> oh, we both we both did them for uh, season screenings. So I guess there's one more left that I forgot about, and it's not that. <laughs> not four left. There's mm. two season screenings, one of which I forgot about. There's two for getting Willy with it. And there's oh, one. With there's one no. for stay-at-home movies. Stay-at-home movies is brought to you by. What was the joke? Was it the stay part? No. At home. Yeah. What was that? Oh, ooh, ooh. No, that almost had, ooh, it was a glinter of something in my eye. <laughs> at home, at home, home, home. <laughs> <laughs> it's DreamWorks home. It's 20th Century Fox's home. No. That's the, that's what Box oh, Office Mojo says. Then Box Office Mojo is a piece of shit. Then they distributed it, but it was DreamWorks. Um, I see. Opened to 52. Incredibly correct. Oh, great. That's exactly right. <laughs> 52. Okay, great. And there's another movie. So this, yes, this the, other movie opened to number two? Yes, it did. Didn't you see it? Uh, I did not. I, I, I'm pretty confident you have. I don't know if it was in theaters. Why didn't you see it? Because I didn't want to. Why didn't I make you see it? Because it probably wasn't going to be worth it. <laughs> did I like it? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you really liked it. It might have been fine. Why, why don't you want to see it? Not really a fan of the principal players. I need more. We're looking for a comedy. The other woman. He, what to what to expect when you're expecting? No. He's just not that into you. I uh, no. Valentine's. No. We're gonna be looking for uh, possibly the. I don't. I don't know. Uh, excuse me. I don't know that this is for sure true, uh, but possibly 
like just the two consecutive biggest comedy stars teamed up in this film. Admission? No. Admission. Tina Fey and Paul Rudd. Oh, okay. No. It's called Admissions, I think. Blades of Glory. No, way too late for that. No. But on the right track. Burt Wonderstone. No. Get get hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I ended up. See, I didn't see it in theaters. I ended up seeing it elsewhere. Was it yeah. fine? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Why you didn't make me see Get Hard? Yes, <laughs> it had it had another title originally. And I want to check to see what that was. Uh, that opened to twenty eight. Uh, thirty three point eight, oh. but still not bad and uh, quite the dagger on home. So good job there. Thank you. Well, it took a took me long enough uh all right okay they only sponsored like 15 episodes of the podcast i don't handle that business side no you know that not anymore get hard original title you're not gonna tell me this is a complete waste of time there's no way it's a complete waste of time all right well then i'll keep looking until i would i I will suggest that we're going pretty long I'll keep looking until I die, I said. Okay. You will let me do I'm not, this. I'm certainly not going to keep vamping until you Noah, die. Noah, where on the IMDb page does it have the alternative title section? I don't know. You know that's a thing, though. No, I do not. You really don't know also known as they have generally? No. Oh, boy. All right, fine. What's next? What are we doing now? That's it? Uh, that's all. Is the podcast over? Just about. Oh, thank God. Um, <clears throat> all right, next week, we begin the, uh, the the round of 32. It's that incredibly exciting. We've cut the, the tournament in half. Next week, I'll run down the matchups real quick. We're doing the dramas in the Spike Lee division, the comedies in the Mel Brooks division, the horror films in the John Carpenter division, and the franchise starters in the Steven Spielberg division. So, Titanic v. Goodwill Hunting, 1997 Oscar winners head-to-head. Pulp Fiction v. Schindler's List. And then in comedies. Noah, this is incredibly exciting. Wait, Pulp Robin Fiction v. Schindler's List wasn't in comedies? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> okay, sorry. In comedies, Robin Williams versus Robin Williams. Mrs. Doubtfire takes on The Birdcage. And Jim Carrey versus Jim Carrey, Liar Liar against The Truman Show. In horror, The Sixth Sense v. Scream, Ghosts versus Ghost Face. I'll probably use that in my intro. And then The Blair Witch Project against The Silence of the Lambs. And finally, Jurassic Park v. Home Alone and The Matrix v. Toy Story. Huge matchups. Half of those titles will fall. Half will continue on to battle for the crown and the title of the greatest blockbuster of the 90s as Multiplex Menace Forever continues. Noah, plug us up. You can find us at whatsintheboxoffice.com. We are on Twitter at WitBoxOffice. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drukey. 
Brian DeSerber, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. And, of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We're right in the right in the meat of this thing. And, you know, it seems like there's a lot of movies now, but pretty soon there's going to be very few movies. It's the uh, perfect time to subscribe and ride along here. Guys, this has been lovely and exhausting, and it might kill me. Um, but thank you for joining us here on What's in the Box Office. We'll see you next week. I've been your host, Brian. And I've been your host, Noah. Thank you for listening. And in case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.